I don't want a lot for Christmas. I just want some Ben and Steve. I don't care about other podcasts. They're not as good as Dead and Lovely. I just want to hear those boys. Don't want presents. I don't want toys. Tell me about horror movies. All I want for Christmas is Dead and Lovely. Here with the host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, ho, ho, Hollywood Steve. (laughs) And we're here with a very special extended edition wild card podcast you know us we're a horror movie podcast why we're going to be talking about lord of the rings two towers today well because steve you know what we do it's christmas a lot of times people Mm -hmm. are having a shitty time on christmas they don't want to be around their families they want to be around us we're their pod family you belong to us we belong to you we Mm -hmm. are family talking Mm -hmm. about my Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. and me (laughs) so we're here to keep you guys company through the uh, sometimes holliest and jolliest of days. Maybe some people are traveling and stuff like that. Maybe just taking a nice Christmas drive with the people that are in your household. Or maybe you're just inside and you're like, you know what? Fuck Christmas. I get it. Halloween's way better. Yeah, it is way better. Like, just think, like, uh, dress up cool or just wear some stupid sweater. Like, come on. Come on, dude. Um, uh, Candy versus... Well, no, there's still candy. There's still candy. Christmas, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But Halloween candy's cooler. Yeah, absolutely Pumpkins so. and stuff, you know? like mm-hmm. It's going to beat peppermint any day of the week. There you go. Uh, who, who wants to eat a peppermint pie? Pumpkin pie. Fucking nobody. Boom. Nobody. Uh, yeah, Halloween's claiming pumpkin pie now. I don't know why. Hmm. Hmm. That's just how it goes, Steve. That's it's how it goes. It's a new Halloween tradition I just made up. Halloween pumpkin pie. I'll tell you what. I prefer... A holiday that encourages mask wearing. Yeah. You know, yeah, me too. 2020, that's mm-hmm. exactly what we need this yep. year, you know? It's absolutely what we need. Though, I guess I guess you could create a Santa beard mask. Mm, okay. That would be pretty cool. Maybe, That'd be okay. Right? I think that would work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, Steve, on the subject of that COVID, on that Rona. Right, right. Let me let me just ask you about this right here. Let so me hear we about all it. know we got this newfangled fancy vaccine that the scientists is rolling <laughs> out. Like we they can are. trust them on anything. Uh-huh. These of course, dang scientists. You and me, we's we's country strong. Born and raised. We know uh-huh. what's going on. They're using it to chip mm. us, right? Finally, they're mm-hmm. gonna get them. L- Get them liberal chips in you and turn you into a communist. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I understand. I mean, we all got to get ourselves took care of and get this virus squashed out and stuff. I I get it. But I'll tell you what I'm worried about, Steve. What's that? What if I go there to get stuck with that old vaccine and they don't let me choose what kind of chip I get? What if I show up and they're like, you're getting baked Lay's plain. And I'll be like, that's my <laughs> least favorite chip. <laughs> Oh no! I want Not barbecue chips. Plain. Uh-huh. Where's the sweet Southern Heat barbecue? <laughs> Sign me up if they're handing those things out. Free chip <laughs> with your vaccine. If it's a sweet Heat Southern barbecue, sign me up. Maybe a Dorito, huh? 
Get you a Dorito. Get you a Dorito. I hear with with the international crowd, whenever they start distributing this vaccine down in Mexico, they're getting tortilla chips. Do what? <laughs> Up there in Canada, all dressed. <laughs> down in the South America, they're getting plantain chips is what I hear. Plantain chips? Mm-hmm. Man, this is just wild. Now, it gets real wild when you go across the pond there. All them lobsters getting vaccinated, their chips, they call fries chips. They get fries with their vaccine, Steve. And they're thick as hell, too. Uh-huh. Imagine that going in you. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Get vaccinated though. is the point of yeah, all this. That's the what point. To say. <laughs> Although, you know, they're talking about how, like, the vaccine has to be kept super cold and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Huh? So I'm kind of imagining that whenever, you know, they finally get to where they inject you with it, I think it's like whenever the Night King, like, turns those babies and stuff <laughs> in uh, Game of Thrones and you just it just freezes you and your eyes turn ice blue and stuff. Pretty sure that's what I that vaccine is going to do. It's cold. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be awesome. If if that's how you knew everybody was vaccinated, they have bright ice blue eyes. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, you're safe. Cool. That guy, yeah. Be hang out with that guy for sure. I mean, you know, <laughs> his eyes are bright in the dark. Probably don't want him around if you're trying to sleep, but that's true. <laughs> oh man, dude. Yeah, it's been a um it has been a wild year, Steve. And I'll tell you, like I was walking mm-hmm. the dog last night and I was thinking about mm-hmm. this year and I was thinking about how long we have been maintaining, you know, social distance podcasting here, oh, doing yeah. this uh over the phone and stuff like we are right now. And uh, I went back and I realized that the first Long distance episode we did this year with Sons of the Lambs, which was a really long time ago. Wow. Yeah. And dude, that's been a while. At the start of the show, it is it is just amazing. You need to go back and listen to it because we're kind of talking about like, wow, this is kind of wild, huh? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I've got two weeks worth of frozen food. I should be fine. And it's like, oh, you fucking innocent children. Like we sound <laughs> like fucking damn uh, Frodo and Sam back in the Shire. Oh man, dude, we don't yeah. know. We don't know about Mordor lurking over those hills. We don't know I'm, about wargs or Nazgul or fucking nothing. We were basically like Sam walking around with our seasoning in case we got a roast chicken one night. Oh my god, man! I'm telling you what, it is. It really is exactly like that, and it's amazing too, dude. Like if you go back and listen to it, the stuff that we're observing and the things that, like, at that point, the CDC was rolling out about, like. Okay, everybody needs to learn how to cough into their elbows instead of on your hands and then shake hands with people. Uh, everybody needs to learn how to wash their fucking hands after going to the bathroom. Like, we're talking about that stuff. I forgot that that is the base level of where this fucking started. <laughs> I mean, since we're getting into uh, into some nostalgia, <laughs> I just... I'm coming up on the end of my my notebook that I've been using. I have a hot pink notebook I've been using for a little while. Mine too. And I noticed that the the first movie in here is Mother. Oh, wow. Which we did with our pal Lindsay. In person. And I was thinking, we got to get that Lindsay back on here. I think that's a great, great idea right there, man. It's funny you mention that because my notebook is also nearly full as well. I have a, I have a big purple five subject college ruled notebook that i wrote school sucks on the front of yes (laughs) and the first movie in mine for my notes is child's play 2 
<laughs> I need to write <laughs> Leonard Skinner spelled wrong on mine just to, to really stick to fit in with your school sucks. <laughs> Do that and then also make the S and Skinner that weird like S symbol that nobody knows yeah. where it came from. <laughs> it's got to be that, dude. Dude, and if you're like me, a fellow with an S at the beginning of his first and last name, when you found out about that little S symbol, it was like, what's up now? The top of my homework. <laughs> Every teacher's going to get a little eye full of this. Yeah, that's right. See what they uh -huh. think about that. It was a lot cooler than your first logo idea, which is when you saw like the SS logo that the Nazis used. And you're like, <laughs> those are my initials, dude. Sick. Sick. Oh, I should wear that. These guys no. have my initials on their hats. No. Bad idea. Bad idea. That one didn't last long at all. No. <laughs> But, dude, it's just so funny to go back and listen to that stuff and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, we were trying to teach people how to wash their hands and cough at the first yeah. of the year. And now we're like, please, for the love of God, don't fucking go to the nightclub. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like herding yeah. cats, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's coming, coming to a close in a few months, hopefully. So I hope so, man. I hope Let's so. Just, uh, get vaccinated when it comes out. Everybody enjoy your Christmas and uh, fucking we'll we'll be back to normal soon enough. Hooray. I hope so, man, because I'll tell you what, one thing that I have observed that I've really missed this Christmas season. Let me ask if this is something that appeals to you as well, because I bet that it is. Um, I have really missed going and sitting in bars and drinking during the holidays. I don't think I realized that this yeah. is something that I really liked, but like, you mm. know, last year was our first Christmas living in the city proper and having like some bars and neighborhood bars and stuff like that to walk to. And it's just like walking into a bar where there's either Christmas music playing or Christmas music on and everybody is there for the same reason, which is to like kind of get away from Christmas. But at the same time, it's Christmassy in there. There's something about that that I really love that I have missed <laughs> so bad this year. It is interesting. Like, you know, an anti-Christmas Christmas tradition. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Like, I, I like, like the that. holidays and stuff like that, but it's fun being around people and just kind of, like, commiserating, being like, oh, I'm fucking sick of this, and drinking some cocoa beers, you know? Yeah, it is. You're right. I mean, I haven't had, uh, until you just put it into words, I hadn't had the concept to miss, but now that I think about it, yeah, that is nice. You know? It's nice to just... Yeah, everybody's in the same mood, basically. Exactly. And it just, it's cool. You're, you're all vibing together on, yeah, we kind of hate this. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, that it's is a, a cool thing. I would, yeah, I, I will, I will be, man, I, I, I miss people a lot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to get back to any sort of normalcy at some point. So you're one of them people persons, huh? I, yeah, I mean, like, I, what what would I be an uh, extroverted introvert? Like, I I, li I prefer to spend my time alone, but uh, I really have to have to have time with people. Yeah, and when I do go out with people, suddenly I'm like, yeah, loud and boisterous. But uh, most of the time, just sitting around, not doing anything because uh, <laughs> that's. That's me. I am boring in general. <laughs> boring man. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting and watching movies and 
reading tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching the world burn, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on, the The world burns fun on Twitter sometimes. It's true. You know? Yeah, that is true. You know, true. like uh, uh, recently, the guy from Trapped basically uh, lost his job in Trapped <laughs> because of uh, leftists making fun of him on Twitter. Yeah, so I don't know how much it's he really kept up funny. with that whole thing with, with Trapped, but like for basically all year... Their yeah. singer has been running their social media and stuff and uh-huh. just being a it's fucking... hilarious. I mean, right-wing maniac. Absolute. An idiot, yeah. A it, fucking idiot, so, yeah. Yeah, it's just so funny watching it, like, this collapse, basically, of, like... <laughs> and imagining if you're in the band, like, fuck, man. <laughs> just man, that's shut kind of up. The thing, right? Like, whenever <laughs> I saw that, like, they... I guess they didn't inform him that he was getting fired. Like, it came up on their... Um, fuck parlor their parlor account because they got banned from all other social media accounts so they went to parlor uh well, technically okay just so you know that okay. parlor account is technically parody oh because, <laughs> yes this was again the leftists on twitter who've been fucking with him for this whole time whenever parlor came up somebody was like well i'm gonna go over there and start a trapped official oh parlor because <laughs> it makes total sense it does. Holy shit. And it's shit. Been hilarious. Yep. But you know, it's like whenever I heard that they, they fired him, I was like, good for them. And I was then I was like, why didn't they do that like eight months Before? ago? Yeah. 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 Why wait so long? I, I know, know, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, honestly, maybe it's a smart play on their uh, side. Like, let it let the trapped controversy build up so that people are suddenly talking about trapped again <laughs> make america trapped again <laughs> dude i didn't even know who trapped was uh, a couple months ago and then i was like oh they sing that song gotcha cool <laughs> uh don't they like were it. strong Got man it. they uh they took on their singer all right. take on oh my god dude <laughs> uh I opened for them one time in in my band Far Far Away <laughs> years ago in Johnson City. And this I is awesome. You know, I don't even feel bad about like talking shit about this stuff in public because it's fucking <laughs> trapped. Come on, they were horrible. Yeah. They were absolutely horrible, and uh, it was a really low selling show. Imagine that. I mean, this was probably two thousand. Let's see, it's twenty twenty now. This is probably like two thousand fifteen. I mean, it was well after anybody gave a fuck about him anyway. So right, it was like a really low selling show, and uh, their fucking asshole singer guy was just so blatantly going through the motions. It's like you know they they play a song and then like five people in the audience applaud, and he <laughs> with like his eyes closed, not even looking at the crowd, is totally just you know reading lines in his head. Thank you guys so much. You make our dreams come true. Without you, we couldn't do this. This next song is called Headstrong. Good night. Like, just totally <sighs> scripted bullshit. Yeah. Oh, man. It was fucking terrible, as terrible you would show. expect, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Christmas gift that's just going to keep giving all year long. Yeah. Let me ask you, Steve. Are there any, like, Christmas traditions that you've missed out on due to due to the cove? Have you missed being around your hmm. family and having them all mumble at yeah, each other and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, I the I I I really realized that I missed my my family the other day when uh, Trey Crowder posted a video of his sister and his mom talking, and it sounded like my family, <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, 
Because it was funny, like, listening to it, it was funny. It was like, yeah, when I'm around my family, I'm genuinely laughing with them. Like, they're very country. Like, like my some of my family are hard for me to understand, even. Um, <laughs> and it's just amazing. They will talk. Like, my mom, uh, I, I definitely take after my mom in the, the talking non-stop and always having something to say about everything so my mom it will be talking non-stop and my grandmother will just be telling a story simultaneously and then my sister will join in and i i should i think we've talked about this before i took a video of it and showed it to you before it was unbelievable i thought you were exaggerating people talking at once and it was seriously just like this this constant murmur it was almost like a white noise machine where it's like garden hose table saw like you could just grab random words every now and then yeah i think you could totally use it to like put babies and children to sleep i think (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. I think it's because the you know they just don't see because that that is not. I mean, that's not entirely overly exaggerated how it was growing up, but uh, that's not how it always was. But it's because uh, you know they only see me every once in a while, so they're all telling me their stories. But like they they just have no sense of decorum. It's like, I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm going to tell you, pay attention to whichever story is most interesting to you at the moment. <laughs> it's story time, motherfucker. Yeah, we're getting these stories out. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I've missed some like some of the stuff about Christmas. I mean, I'm trying to make the best of it and be like, you know what? This is a unique one. Like, this is something that's yeah. different considering that. Mm-hmm. We kind of go through the same Christmas motions about every year, like yeah. most families do. And I mean, traditions are fun. It's cool. But I'm trying to look at it as like, okay, this is something different. And I'm going to like really remember this one because yeah. I think if you showed me like photos from Christmas 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you which one was which. Yeah, it's all blends together. Yeah. So I'm trying to enjoy this as something. Yeah. Something different, but there's definitely been some things that I've missed, man. I usually really enjoy getting to go over to my in-laws and helping them decorate their family Christmas tree and stuff. But as my in-laws are currently recovering from COVID, uh, that oh, did not yeah. happen, of course. Thank, yeah. thank God they are recovering uh, yeah, that's great. pretty damn well. My mom is still kind of in the shit. It's been with her for probably uh, since right, like Thanksgiving now, so over two weeks, Ooh. almost three weeks, and she's still kind of like, yeah, not much change, still feel like shit. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it kind of sucks not being able to uh, to do that kind of stuff. And, of course, when your family's ill, you know, you want to do anything you can to, to help them out and make their situation better, but you kind of can't. Yeah, you really can't. It's the worst. Yeah. It, it's me you feel, uh, I mean, <laughs> the, my, my wife deals with it regularly and any, any of our listeners we i know we have several listeners who work in the medical field yeah are dealing with it regularly where you see just how powerless that death is Oof. but you you are absolutely alone yep and and to our medical workers that are listening thank you for your service and bravery and you are grossly underpaid, underpaid. <laughs> yep under fucking percent a hundred percent is is actually way too low. You're yes. thousand percent underpaid for sure. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a powerless position to be in. So it's terrible. And yeah, I I do not wish it on anyone. 
No doubt, man. No doubt. But, you know, we'll muddle through somehow, right? We'll just have to muddle through somehow. Yeah, we'll make it. Have a merry little Christmas now. I haven't heard now. Christmas shoes this year. That's great. <laughs> right? Okay. That's good. Yeah. I Let's see. Emily and I decorated, and we've listened to the terrible version of Oh Holy Night. So oh, we're in the, the Christmas spirit. Yeah, we do that every year several times. I haven't uh, listened to that one yet, actually. It's the best. Yeah, it is the, the best. If, if you haven't heard it, just go search Terrible Old Holy Night. It's one of the funniest things ever made. Of all and time. I don't think it was intended to be funny. I see it sometimes listed as Oh Holy Nightmare, so that might help narrow down <laughs> your search, too. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good description of exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, one of my favorite uh, Christmas songs I gotta, gotta hear that I just listened to the other day for the first time because I just didn't think about it. Um, maybe I've sent this to you before. It's Patti LaBelle performing This Christmas at a uh, like military event. Have you seen mm, this? Uh-uh. Oh my god, dude. It looks like it's like maybe late 90s or something like that. Patty LaBelle, uh-huh. total fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah, they like announce her and stuff. She comes out to the mic. The band starts like playing immediately and you can tell it kind of like blows her hair back a little bit. Uh-huh. And I guess like and again, I've been in this situation too. I guess she didn't know the song and she was just performing it off of cue cards with the lyrics and stuff cuz they're like Patty oh, no. LaBelle, come on here and do this song. Uh, I don't know the words. It's okay. We'll have cue cards. But like, the person doing the cards is fucking the whole thing up. So oh, no. she's up there and, you know, she's, she's singing and she's like, this Christmas, I don't have my cue cards. I'm just going to have to improvise a little bit. Wow, 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 wow. This Christmas. <laughs> and dude, it is the most fucking hilarious thing ever. We're like, there's supposed to be backup singers, and there's no backup singers. She's like, where's my backup singers? This Christmas. Like, she's really, she's being as pro as you could possibly be. Right. Eventually, the backup singers come on. She's like, thank you. It's hysterical, dude. I, I, gotta check I adore that. it. That it's funny. so fucking funny, man. <laughs> I can't believe they leave Patty LaBelle out to dry like that. What oh, I fuck? know, right? <laughs> but she uh, she rocks, so she handled it like yeah, she's great. a pro. I've been uh, kind of getting in the holiday spirit, watching some Krimbus movies this week, as well uh, as me too. a couple of other things. What have you been watching, Steve? Well, I watched Santa's Sleigh last night. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never seen it before. Oh, no way. I, yeah, I don't know what uh, what was stopping me, because it was it was a, a fun enough time. Yeah. Yeah, I it just starts with a bang. I was like, "Who? What the hell?" Like James Caan, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fran Drescher, Jesus, what? And I then mean, I was Bill excited. Goldberg. Yeah, and then Bill Goldberg. Always excited to see Fran Drescher. Um, I did not expect it to go the way it went. I I won't say anything about Santa's Slave if you haven't seen it. Uh, watch it. It's, it's a treasure. Yeah, it's a treasure. It's Bill Goldberg as Santa killing people. So, yeah. Have we ever told um, our also, story about the Nazi prophecy of the Uber Jew that turned out to be Bill Goldberg? Have we ever told that story <laughs> on the show? <laughs> <laughs> we did, was that something we talked about at, at Walter State? Oh, yeah. This is definitely yeah, like idea, a, while we were in college and yeah. not doing drugs, but still somehow coming up with right. the wackiest ideas yeah. <laughs> of all time. I blame it on all the hot and ready pizzas. I think that that yeah, stuff definitely. altered Little our... Caesars, <laughs> yeah. Little Caesars made us insane. Yeah. <laughs> The, the idea that the idea that Bill Goldberg was what Adolf Hitler feared 
Yeah. Well, yeah. That's basically it. And I make I mean, he's he is a specimen, that dude. Holy like, moly. I, <laughs> I remember I I was uh, a, a few months ago I was going through uh, all the nineties like uh WCW and, and WWE oh, yeah. stuff. Uh whenever like the first time he came out it really was like I remember it watching it back then and it was just like who is this but like watching it again it was just like that dude is gigantic yeah. he is so jacked yeah big all over and fast yeah yeah he yeah uh, man yeah that was like it was a we think back to the Goldberg period is like that was that was like a long time because he had like 170 wins or whatever but uh, all that was made up and it was only like eight month period hmm. like it seemed like it was That's so weird. it was yeah. like eternity but it was like only an eight month period and then huh. there was you know the the terrible match where uh he got tasered by scott hall or kevin nash <laughs> <laughs> and then lost the hogan that was a, that was a bad call anyway <laughs> so uh yeah i i, I watched sand slay i also watched deadly games on the screaming chat deadly games what is that one yeah deadly games is um also called dial code santa oh that's like the home um, alone kind of one right yeah 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 it's okay so the kid in it the main kid is the raddest kid of the 80s oh shit he's like a trapper keeper fucking come to life man dude it you are going you're gonna I'm telling you, your dick is going to fly off. Does he look like one of those kids s- that would be in like a Nintendo advertisement from 1989? Yes. Like just turbo yes. rad? Uh-huh, and his room <laughs> is insane. Fuck yeah, It dude. is the coolest thing. And then, yeah, it's uh, it's Home Alone with an evil pedophile Santa. So it's, oh, wow. It's, it's like, it's too long, I feel like, but maybe it felt too long because there's also like, it was a, a last drive-in um stream so there's also like joe bob briggs and and darcy coming in and uh that was all entertaining but it it, it felt a little long maybe but it was it was fun definitely worth watching and we nice. definitely need to talk about it some christmas time hell yeah um i also watched a little movie and i know you watched this too Uh oh a little movie called black christmas 2019 2019 dude so Boy. That movie, man, I I just Uh put it on a couple nights ago because I was like, yeah, I got a little bit of time before bed. I'll watch about half of it and then finish the rest tomorrow while I'm working out or whatever. So it was there. It was free. I think it was maybe on Hulu or something. It might have been Prime. I can't remember. But I put it on just, you know, with no expectations or whatever. I know a lot of people, like, really, really, really hated it. Um, Yeah. And... I can I can see why. I'll say mm-hmm. a few good things first. How about that? Maybe we can roll out sure. some good there things. There are some good things for sure. We got Imogen Poots in there and just Putin all over the place. Great. She man, love when that lady's Putin. She's, She's great. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. Um I will say there was some good suspense in parts of it. Like some of Definitely. the parts maybe about halfway through the movie where they're in the house and like the um, you know, cloaked assailants are in the house with them and stuff. Right. There's some pretty cool moments in there. I love when like the the one dude randomly starts shooting arrows at him and you're like, "What the fuck is that? Yeah. What's going on?" Like some yeah. actual pretty decent suspense, I think, in parts. Yeah. De- definitely. I uh, by the way, 
would say that uh, the the way they dealt with the villain is a creative spin on the idea with the original Black Christmas of we never figure out who it was yeah. and there are several people it could have been and what if it was all of them is basically this premise. I like yeah. that. That's and, a cool premise. And I'll say too, like, and I don't think this is like spoilery at all. Who cares? Honestly, it's it's a really shit movie. So yeah, it's <laughs> but, not great. Yeah, <laughs> I think that some of the topics that they're dealing with in there, as far as like bro frat rape culture and yeah. toxic masculinity and stuff like that, like these are cool things to explore in a horror movie. Absolutely, uh, especially with a large female cast and stuff like that. Like, cool. Put that in a movie. That's good. Um. Please do it better than this, though. <laughs> yeah, better execution. I mean, basically, uh, you and I, uh, we we have talked about this, but we haven't talked about it on the show. We we both watched The Craft Legacy, yeah, which is also a Blumhouse movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of these movies, Black Christmas and 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 Craft Legacy, seem like they were written by a a bot that scans twitter for woke tweets <laughs> yeah. and it's just like that's not how this is not how people talk no this is tweets these this is not how anyone has ever talked no it's like they eliminate entirely the concept of subtext yeah that's the big thing with black christmas especially to me is like the context uh, uh, the idea of subtext is just completely completely out of the window like the way that the craft legacy handled the topics of toxic masculinity and stuff like that uh i mean it was downright nuanced compared to black christmas yep. <laughs> i'll say yeah. like if you're if you're a young person um yeah craft legacy is probably a good thing to watch that's one of those ones that i'll be like yeah you know it's like it's not for me oh, yeah. a fucking 36 year old dude it's, yeah it's it's definitely for a younger generation, but it's also like it, it's like it's trying to speak on their level, but not uh, hitting it. Yeah, kind of. But the actresses nail it. It's definitely got like good performances and stuff in it. So yeah, yeah it, I, I can see its value. Stuff. Yeah, but, but it's, man, it's not. Black it's Christmas not is just so unsubtle in every possible way like dude to the point where like yeah. one of the parts of the movie where i was really just like ah oh, like really you're, you're making it that obvious there's that part where all the girls are like in the kitchen and that one girl's like snotty boyfriend is sitting at the table drinking a beer kind of sulking and she's like i yeah. didn't know you liked beer and he totally fucking brent kavanaugh's and goes i like beer like, yeah you're using mm -hmm. kavanaugh lines in your movie yeah yeah, and there's also the not all men line. Oh my god, it's just like, dude! Come on, y'all. There's fuck. that your body, your choice line. It's like fuck, yeah. dude. Like this is. It's like you said. It really does feel like those bot scripts that got written that are hysterical. Yeah. It feels like that yeah. only taken <laughs> way too seriously. It didn't need to be yeah, called yeah. Black Christmas. It really could have been no that that any other movie it actually. Yeah, and yeah. it also didn't have to be at Christmas either. No, it didn't. Although it doesn't, it doesn't help or hurt. It's fine. It could be at Christmas, but it, it does not have to be. I mean, like the idea that the campus is basically empty. Yeah. But you could do that during the summer or spring break or whatever. But yeah, definitely didn't have to be uh, Black Christmas. If you, if you just gave it a different title, and you know made this movie, nobody nobody would say like, "Oh, you're ripping off Black Christmas." Yeah. <laughs> like 
the connection would be hard to make basically um and yeah it, it could have been improved a lot but it's just ugh. dude yeah. it's it's about as subtle as a fucking dump truck of nitroglycerin <laughs> driving into yeah. an antique shop yeah uh, yeah. And the thing about it is, is when you make stuff that fucking on the nose, it's not going to reach the people that need to hear the message. It's like whenever, yeah, you know, you have Christian rock bands that every song is, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> it's like the only people right. that are going to listen to that are people that are already fans of the guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to hear your Jesus, I love you song and be like, I also love Jesus. You know what? Like- <laughs> They're right. I think I'll try that out. <laughs> Take a lesson from Creed, y'all. Yeah. Make it subtle. I, th- I think I I do get maybe what they were like because subtlety doesn't work. I mean, um, people aren't picking up on it. It's just like the people that that need to hear some of these messages just are not good at picking up on subtlety at all. That's true. they didn't. They truly did not get that Rage Against the Machine was not raging for the machine. <laughs> Dude, like, seeing like all these people's fucking tweets and stuff of that band be like, stay out of politics, go on. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Have you ever yeah. listened to Rage Against the Machine? Yeah. It's it's <laughs> just ridiculous. And telling Tom Morello to shut up and oh, play yeah. like what do you the know about dude politics? has degrees in political science. Like, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Dude, I bet they uh, probably all got really mad and just went back and started listening to Trapped again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they probably tweeted that at Tom Morello, and they're like, Head strong, I took him on. I'll take on anyone, huh? <laughs> take <laughs> on <laughs> anyone. <laughs> oh, so stupid, yeah. man. Yeah, I get what you so mean, though. Man, like, subtlety get- is not something that... Again, a lot of the people that probably need to hear the message of the movie, they probably wouldn't catch it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it is, like, probably playing on some assumptions about younger generations that aren't going to hit with those younger generations, I, I don't think. But, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely Black Christmas didn't, like, do well. So, like, I mean, eh, whatever. Hopefully you people know. voted with their dollars that they don't want more of that and Blumhouse yeah. will get the fucking idea. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Anyway, so I I also watched um a movie that uh I had not heard of at all, but it has Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, uh Michael Sheen, Ooh. uh Margot Robbie. Sign me up. Oh, yeah, sounds great, right? Uh it's called Slaughterhouse Rules. I've and, heard of this, um, yeah. It's basically what if attack the block, but rich people. What so, if attack the block, but <laughs> rich people? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it loses a lot of that particular messaging that you get from attack the block, but it kind of like makes the evil fracking. So it's like, it's real interesting it was interesting watching it knowing you know attack the block pretty well and seeing like yeah this seems similar to attack the block but like it almost like because of that it almost makes the message about like anti-fracking message seem so bourgeois like it Mm. makes it seem so such a rich concern that does not concern the poor but it 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 concerns the poor far more than the rich the poor are being affected by fracking far more than the rich. So hmm. like, 
I, I, the messaging of the movie was muddled to me, but it was funny and fun. So, uh, you know, definitely not as good as Attack the Block. Wasn't there another movie that you watched recently that was like Attack the Block, but with like gentrification? Oh, yeah. What was that? <laughs> Vamp- Vampires versus the Bronx. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah. it's like a lot of a lot of movies are kind of trying yeah, to Yeah, people are trying out. to do Attack the Block, yeah. Attack the Block's uh, good, y'all. Like, that's a, that's a so sleeper good. right there. That's a good movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen Attack the Block, you you don't you don't know why John Boyega is so fucking awesome. Oh yeah, he's great in other stuff, but he's just he's so good in Attack the Block. Mm-hmm. Man, I have had time this week to watch a thing or two about a thing or two. I think the uh, coolest oh. thing I've watched is getting caught up on The Mandalorian, which you've not you've not watched oh, yeah. yet, right? I have not. I have not watched I'll save it, it yet. I'll save it. Yeah. We it's got the Mandalorian awesome. and and Big Mouth. Oh man, we started Big Mouth the other day too, so we'll talk about that, that awesome? whenever you catch up on it. Fuck, this might be the best season so far. Oh man, we're, like, we're All right. maybe about halfway through it, I guess, and it's amazing, absolutely fantastic. Awesome. So uh, this week for my Docu Monday pick, I chose to watch Seduced, which is a four part miniseries about the Nexium cult. Oh, right, right, yeah. Holy shit. It is, is it awesome? fucking crazy as shit. Yeah, it's a great watch. It's a really, really, okay. really good watch. Um, and they talk extensively with a lot of people that, you know, escaped the cult and right. really get into their psychology and stuff. And you really see, you know, like every cult, that line just getting pushed further and further and further of what people are willing to except despite what they're seeing in front of their own eyes and acting against their own interests and stuff. The psychology of cults is what really fascinates me the most, you know? Yeah. But this Keith uh, Renier, I always say his name fucking wrong, the guy that headed the cult. Yeah, the Vanguard, as he was called. I just don't know how anybody took this fucking guy seriously for even a second. Like, you can watch five seconds of any interview with him and be like, this guy's a fucking dweeb. Like, this guy sucks. Yeah. It's so blatantly obvious that this guy's a fucking idiot. Uh, but, you know, apparently he was uh, he was selling and people was buying. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Uh, I find that to be true of uh, most megachurch pastors. They look yeah. like fucking ghouls. Yeah, no doubt, and- man. People are like, that man is close to Jesus. <laughs> really? I mean, really? I, I got to assume from what I, I've read about that Jesus fella, he probably isn't a big fan. <laughs> I would just, think just not. Just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I would think not, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it is crazy how people, like, because, I mean, you know, Trump, Trump has his cult yep. for sure that uh, you look at the man and he's ridiculous and how, but. Yeah people people are able to look past that i guess they're like no 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 you all see him as ridiculous but actually he's a genius <laughs> all right okay. Uh, okay i don't i don't see it but okay uh, yeah uh, maybe one day he'll prove it maybe <laughs> yeah check it out if you're into that kind of thing man every episode's yeah, about an I'm hour long definitely into that kind of thing it's produced really well there's another one out now called the vow that's also about nexium that i definitely want to watch mm, okay. too so kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit we finished watching through the new reboot season of animaniacs oh right mm-hmm. i haven't it finished that yet a treasure it is it a is delight great. dude yeah. 
one of the last episodes on there is like a Halloween episode. Have you watched that one? No, no, I haven't got to yet. Uh, we got to do it for like a Patreon pick, dude. It's okay, absolutely fantastic. Well, you want to? Do you want to do that as our next Patreon exclusive episode? We could do that. We Look for that, that, Patreon subscribers. Mm-hmm, that's right. Where Patreon, you know, you Patreon. Yeah, you can yep. find it over at patreon.com slash dead and lovely. Give us your money and get <laughs> extra stuff. We're not just asking yeah. you to give oh, us your money. You get extra stuff also. Yeah, by the way, we're, we got that Fanuary coming up. Fanuary. Uh, we're be choosing all of the movies from, from uh, Patreon, so... Head on over to Patreon, become a, a, a Patreon patron so you can drive this car throughout all of January. That's right. Let your voice be heard. Oh. I should say that like Aragorn does. Let your voice <laughs> be heard. Let your voice be heard. Get that Dudley Do-Right For thing Ferdo. going on. <laughs> <For> <laughs> <Ferdo>. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched through that stuff. We also watched ourselves a couple of Crimbus movies. That oh, I good. enjoyed pretty well, man. We watched this uh, this surviving Christmas one day. That's surviving got a Christmas. Ben Affleck and it's got a Tony Soprano in it. A couple of other folks. Uh, okay, so it's, it's a little bit older. Yeah, it's like late nineties, um, early two thousands, okay. I guess. You know, it was one of those things where it's like we were doing stuff around the house. We just needed to have some kind of Christmas crap on that we didn't have to pay too much attention to. Right. And I was like, I don't know. This has got James Gandolfini and stuff in it. So check it out. Put this on. It was totally enjoyable. I mean, Ben Affleck is like being a total goofball and stuff in it, being maybe a little, uh-huh. a little too zany at times. But <laughs> it still had some funny stuff in it. I enjoyed it pretty good. So that's one of those. It's just an easy enough thing to have on. Also watched Better Watch Out. Oh, right. The, um, the horror movie. Yeah. I have not seen this. I thought it that is. it was pretty cool. I thought that it was all right. I'll like, check it out. I I had very low expectations, and I watched a trailer for it, and I was like, oh, I guess I kind of know what this is going to be. The trailer makes it out to be like violent Home Alone, you know, like okay. ba- babysitter. Right. There's a kid. There's a house invasion. Um, only it gets grisly, and I was like, yeah, that's that's easy enough. I'll just have that on while I practice guitar or whatever. And uh, I watched the whole thing, and I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it. I. I I read some reviews of it later on, and it seems like it's a real love-it-or-leave-it affair where people are like, oh, cool, this is not what I was expecting. Or people being like, fuck this, it's not what I was expecting. Right, okay. You know? All right, so I should expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Prepare to be surprised, (laughs) Steve. I will be. I thought it was funny. It kind of reminded me of like... um, I'm I'm trying to think if I can even say what it reminded me of without spoiling it, honestly. So... I don't know, Home Alone plus like Funny Games plus The Babysitter, something like that. Okay. It gets twisted. Right. So I don't know. I enjoyed it pretty well. Well, you Worth said Funny Games, so definitely gets twisted. Yeah. yeah, right? Can't be nothing normal if that's involved, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> that's, that is great. Bo- both of them, the the original and the remake, just great films. Yeah, very fucking strange. It's been a long time since I watched either one of those, actually. Yeah. A yeah, long time. That's definitely something we need to get on for the podcast. That one in the Strangers, man. Oh yeah, those movies. Well, fuck. Home invasion movies are scary. Those are rough because man. that's like that is like an ever present fear. I think. Like, 
I, I look at our door sometimes and I think like, man, I could kick that in. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to murder us. <laughs> I mean, isn't it kind of crazy that we like cover our houses and homes and like windows of glass, which is like the most fragile <laughs> yes. thing ever? <laughs> yes. Are we stupid? We're pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like a bad idea. When you say it out loud it like does. that, it does. It you realize really how does. bad of an idea it really is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I'll tell you what, man. Tell me what. My face is uh-huh. in need of, of something, and I don't know what it okay. is. I need to put something in my face. Maybe something that is possibly dreadful. Maybe I've been naughty this year, <laughs> yeah. and I need to, I... Uh, to pay penance and yeah. put something that is potentially vile and horrific in my face. What do you think about that? I, I think you do deserve this. I think you've been a bad, bad boy. I'm a bad and, boy. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to torture you and myself with uh, something that Lamar gave us. Uh, and I held <laughs> it off for this episode, basically, because I thought, well, this is a stunt beer. This is an episode where we just don't give a fuck because we're having fun and it's a movie we love. Um, I was hoping you'd forgot a- about it, frankly. <laughs> no, I wanted, I wasn't gonna I wanted say a to word torture about us, it. basically, on this episode. Uh, it is a Martin House Best Made Sour Pickle Beer, mm. and Lamar warned me it was gross. Oh, my God. So, this is one Lamar... Lamar gave us so many awesome beers. Yeah, he did. Not one this. of them was bad. And then this. <laughs> and then this. It says on the yeah. front, 12 fluid ounces, parentheses, crispy. so it's like a crispy pickle now steve you know how much i don't love pickles Mm -mm, you're not a fan of the pickle Mm -mm, no i've come around to enjoying um like a a homemade house-made pickle that still tastes like a cucumber but when it's this neon green fucking floppy thing that just tastes like Uh, salt and vinegar and dill and mustard uh-huh. seed, like fuck that oh, shit. It's the best. Can't stand. I, I want the ones that taste pickle. essentially like, like a cucumber with sugar, salt, and vinegar on it. That those I can great. go forward with. Those are great. Those are well, uh, those are just quick pickles, right? It's yeah. just basically yeah. Still got some just snap barely to it. absorbs a little bit of it, but yeah, those are good. I, I am a huge fan of pickles. It's just love pickled things in general. Um, I have had good pickle beers. Okay, I will say, I have had a pickle beer or two that I thought was okay. Down in Knoxville, Crafty Bastard had a pickle beer they did last year, I think. That was okay. If I closed my eyes and I didn't think about pickles, I could be like, okay, I get it. It's just kind of a tart, kind of funky, Mm -hmm. sour. I was decently okay with it. I could drink it and not gag. Yeah, and that's the particular one I'm thinking of because uh, that one, as you said, like it... It wasn't like oh my God, this overwhelming. Oh my yes, God. Yes, it does. I that's, it. What I, that's what I've been building up to is I already had this poured out and it smells terrible. Oh my God. This, I, uh, this does not smell like the crafty one or any of the pickled beers no. I've had that I like. I am not excited for this. No. Oh my God. This smells awful. It straight up yeah. smells like opening up a fucking pickle jar. Yeah. yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. You might hear I some no like, I- footsteps running away from the mic. I'm not excited for this. So let's just hop on into it. Oh, God. Must we? (laughs) Ah, Oh, Oh, God. Oh, God. That's straight up pickle juice. I got to drink water. Mm. (laughs) That is straight up pickle juice. Hard pass. Fuck no. 
Oh God! It's, okay. it's just like lingering in my mouth. This is terrible. Yeah, it's it's real, real strong. Like what kind of briny. monster would drink this? <laughs> it's salty. <laughs> it's so briny. Yeah, it oh, is God. so briny. It's just hanging out in the back of my throat, Steve. <laughs> it's Fuck not fun. This. It's not a fun beer. No, now, I I did think though. I did. Um, I I have uh, some Evan Williams bottled in Bond 100 proof. And um, I don't know stuff. if you've ever had a pickleback before. I'm bringing pickleback. Oh, oh gosh, sorry, man. I just, man, that tastes. <laughs> it tastes um, bad. Anyway. Like, even to somebody that I, likes pickles, are you like, no? It's not good. I've I've drank straight pickle juice and enjoyed it, and this is not enjoyable. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, it's kind of like it really tastes like if somebody emptied the rest of the pickle jar into a pint yeah. of beer. Yeah. It's the fi- like the fact that it has effervescence like it's just makes fizzy. it so pickly. It's not fun. No, but I, I want I want to try this though. Yeah, people like uh, the pickleback. Had a- yeah, people do like the pickleback. I've I've had it and it's like I get it. It's basically if you if you don't like whiskey, the pickle juice does wash away that whiskey burn immediately, and they do meld together well. The flavors do meld together well. So, well, it's really kind I'm of try like that. the same concept as like a tequila shot, where it's like okay, salty, yeah. alcohol, lime. It's kind of like yeah. a three-way game of rock, paper, scissors, where everything cancels out the bad attributes of everything else. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to try this here and see if basically uh, whiskey can improve this beer. Oh, my God. I don't know if anything fucking can, but let me know if it does. Let me know how that treats you. P.S. Tequila shots, the perfect shot. That is the shot to do right I love tequila. I love tequila Mm. shots so much, man. I don't really like other shots. Let me tell you this. (laughs) This is a reverse pickleback. Yeah? Basically, the idea of the pickleback is the pickle juice washes away the burn of the 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 bourbon or whatever the whiskey in this case the whiskey is washing away the disgusting taste of pickle (laughs) so (laughs) it kind of works if basically i guess let's say this is when i would recommend this beer let's say it's a, a zombie apocalypse or any sort of apocalypse and all the beer is gone yeah except for this beer and you've got some whiskey with you I just drink the like, whiskey. I got <laughs> I, I, yeah, but maybe you're trying to ration your whiskey, so you're like, I gotta plow through this uh, pickle beer. Uh, in this reality, that you have no choice except to get drunk every night. <laughs> so okay, All right. you've got to get through the pickle beer. Sounds like it's Somehow. just fucking 2020, man. It's like I'm stuck inside. Yes. All I have is this. Got to make it work. This is the worst. All right. Oh my <laughs> so god. So there you go. I hate it Reverse so much. Pickleback. I hate it's it so much. It's the worst. And I'm not, there's no way I could finish it. I'm really kind of questioning if it makes it worth all the other great beers that Lamar gave us. I'm like, does this negate all those? (laughs) He canceled out all his goodwill with this. I mean, at least a couple of them. I don't know, man. (laughs) At least a couple of them. Because he did bring some goodies, but this is... Yeah, those those Icarus brews were great. I remember really enjoying those. That's fucking terrible. And I'll tell you what, too, man. This is my my, uh, return to alcohol right here, which is... Really good. This makes me want to not drink. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good. That's maybe what it's for. Yeah, is, that's right. Yeah, like if you're an alcoholic and you feel like you're gonna like you, you absolutely you gonna just gonna have to have a drink. Drink this. It'll make you feel like no, no, 
I, I don't want this. It's better to be sober than drink it's this beer. It's better to be sober. It doesn't even have any Listerine I can drink. Hand sanitizer yeah, instead, anything, right? Anything, please. Yeah, dude, I had uh, I had a day there. I guess it was on, I think it was maybe Saturday, where you know we were at home all day. We had like some champagne with brunch. I had mm-hmm. a, a day drinking beer. I had a couple of cocktails in the evening. And looking back on it, I was like, you know what? didn't really drink enough water that day i never got like fucking drunk or anything like that but i was just kind of like yeah i was usually sipping something about all day and uh i woke up the next day just feeling like fucking shit just feeling terrible and uh you know of course during fucking covid times you wake up not feeling good and you're like oh shit you know everything yeah (laughs) during got like everything every cough like it's just like you could inhale a whole bunch of dust and then cough and be like, fuck, was that COVID? Yeah, it's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I was no, like, I'm coming to you, Elizabeth. I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of worried about it. I drank some water and stuff throughout the day and I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. Uh, but then, you know, went to bed, still not really feeling exactly 100%. Woke up the next day still feeling kind of bad. And I'm like, oh shit. I told Kate, oh, I was no. like, I'm still not really feeling that good. And she's like, oh, for real? And I was like, yeah, like my stomach's been upset and I've been like nauseous and stuff. And I was like, I'm kind of getting worried. And she's like, wait, do you just have one of those, like, you're almost 40 two-day-long hangovers? And I was like, "Yeah, bingo. Those happen. That's exactly what it is. One of (laughs) those totally unearned, I didn't even get all that fucking wasted, two-day-long hangovers that are not fun at all. Not fun at all. Yeah. They don't ever feel earned. At least want to earn the the worst. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you I what. want I want to like I want it to be one of those like parties where you see the sun coming up and there's still five of you drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> then I know that I've earned that shit. So right now yeah. I just I just handed the remnants of my pickle beer glass to Tanta Kate who just walked in the room. I want her to experience this. Take a sip of that and then get on this microphone, girl, and tell me about what you think about that. Oh say, hell yeah. Be sure to say fuck you, Lamar, after you drink it, because <laughs> Lamar gave us this. <laughs> It smells like pickles, she says. I bet. It really fucking goddamn does, and it's fucking disgusting. What do you think about that, dear? You okay with that? I love it. <laughs> no. No. That's she doesn't. That's yours. She no, you don't. It's so vinegary. I love it's it. It's so vinegary. Fuck that shit, man. <laughs> Fuck that. I could not well, drink Lamar, more hey. Because it is, it's it's a jar of pickle juice with alcohol. It is. It is. <laughs> good. If you like pickle juice. No. If you like pickle juice. Hard, 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 hard pass. Well, it's for somebody, apparently. So I can have this? Yeah, you can have that one, dear. <laughs> That's all you. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> thanks, Lars. Lamar. Lamar. Thanks, Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> also, thanks, Lars. Yeah, thanks, Lars. You know, <laughs> you do you. Play your four on the floor drum beats and sell your arts and stuff like that. Oh, my God. I know I've said it a million times, but in that documentary when he sells his art at that oxygen, and the, uh, at that oxygen, 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 <laughs> oxygen, oxygen. The, yeah, he, where he sells his art at that auction and then collapses on that couch and says, I'm exhausted. Whatever. <laughs> I was just like, this is the most goddamn unrelatable shit ever Lars why would you do this in front of a camera I think if at that point like Shawn Michaels would have busted in the room and hit him with some sweet chin music <laughs> that would have been the best he's like Max Heel at that moment and then yeah. Shawn Michaels just comes in sweet chin music such a sexy bull <laughs> and the sound of those women being murdered 
<laughs> yeah, so this is my my welcome return to booze, and I'm not liking what I'm seeing, Steve. <laughs> not liking what I'm seeing. I think I might need something else to to wash this away with. Good thing yeah. I have a beer here that I've been stowing away for a while. This is one that our good friend our good friend sent us from Great Notion Brewing. Uh, now, oh. whenever we were sent these. From the great state of Oregon. Yes, there were two, uh, and one died in transit. Uh-huh. It did a die. Yeah, it did a die. See you at the crossroads. You won't be lonely. But one survived, and I'm a greedy little bastard, so with your permission, <laughs> I kept it for myself. This is their yeah. Breakfast of Leisure Imperial yeah. Stout with Maple, Cinnamon, and Vanilla. It is a it sounds awesome. liquid French toast stout. And I'm excited I, about this. The date on the top yeah. says January 9th, 2020. So this thing is owed. Hopefully it's still okay. I imagine it. It's a stout. Yeah. They, can, they can sit around a while. I'll tell you what, too. At 11.25%, it is stout indeed, Steve. Jeez. Holy <laughs> fuck. Yeah. I'm pouring this thing out right now. And uh, as expected, it is like a, a glass of frothy uh, Hershey syrup. It is dark. Oh, it smell. You can really smell the maple. And the French toasty goodness I remember, in here. I remember because of the the burst can, like all of the cans smelled like it, and it smelled great. Oh my god, dude! Oh my god! Is it the best? It's fucking awesome. It is like a lathery, frothy maple syrup stout. It I'll is skip this. buck wild. I'll skip me another sip of this uh, pickle beer and think of of French toast. Yeah, Let's see if see that helps. <laughs> Maybe it'll make it taste more like <laughs> it. <laughs> you sound happy. You're having a good yeah, time. It's, it's better now. Oh, it's I better. Feel mm. happy. <laughs> I feel happy. I feel happy. Yeah. No, still bad. Yeah. This is this is really good. It is. Uh, it is powerful. It is powerful. But it's amazing how the stoutness and the flavor of the cinnamon and the maple and stuff in there really masks its near wine-like potency. Uh huh. Uh, it's pretty astounding, yeah. man. I'm thinking that later after we record, I'm going to have me a nice big old bowl of ramen and just uh, wash the booze away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, yeah, French Toast Stout sounds awesome. I, I definitely... Um, the One of the things that um, would make me just absolutely give up on dieting entirely... Uh, is is French toast because French toast is like it's so simple and like um like anybody can pull it off competently yeah and and not fuck it up but like you can also do it so amazingly well like you could stuff that bread you can crust it in crushed up cereal or something Ooh. you can do all sorts of deliciousness to it and and it's considered breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, man. Let me ask you about your it's, French toast preparation, best. because this is one of those things uh-huh. that, you know, once again, um, crimes of, of culinary nature. I grew up thinking that French toast really sucked because oh, the really? way my yeah. mom would made it uh, would make it is to get a slice of wheat sandwich bread. Oh, uh, no. Dip it. Already going wrong. Yeah, exactly. Dip it in, you know, some beaten egg and... Uh-huh. Um, cook it extremely firmly and i was like this is so bland and tastes like nothing it was just like dry nothingness i thought that i i really hated french toast 
uh, yeah, until I had I get really, that. really good French toast. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see that being bad. I, you normally want to go with, I, I think I understand if, if somebody thinks this is just too much, but you, I think you got to go with a brioche. Ooh, yeah. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. But, uh, you, you, any, any white bread, you basically want a white bread. You want something yeah. kind of neutral. But I, you want, I think brioche, because it does have that pound cakey almost quality to it, mm-hmm. where it's just like so deliciously rich. But I mean, if you're making French you, toast, just fucking floor it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, you want to set that the, each individual slice away from each other out overnight so it dries out. Really? I've never that done is, that. Yeah. Oh, do it. You want, like, the best bread to make French toast with is something that is almost like just almost hard almost <laughs> like you want it to dry out a little bit yeah well not that hard you want it to dry out on the outside and on the inside to still be you know moist so you just kind of let it set out overnight uh, separated slices and then uh you also want to make your your custard the night before too and let it sit in the fridge to kind of custard up but Ooh, basically man. yeah you're doing eggs and and milk and i i I get people's tendency to add like a, a ton of stuff to the eggs and, and milk, like, you know, a bunch of cinnamon and stuff, mm-hmm. but you can add that after and you're not, nothing, nothing changes. Okay. All right. And in fact, like c- cinnamon, when it cooks can, uh, it can get a little bit more flavor to it, but it probably isn't going to in the French toast preparation. So you can add it after if you want or add it before. But anyway, you, you want to prepare it the night before and then uh, hit it up. Just uh, dip your bread in, let it sit, like get nice and soaked in there. Get you really want like some kind of thickness too. Yeah, to you it. can't so be doing you like get a that thin good bread, custardy yeah. middle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The when yeah. the middle's kind of soft. Oh man. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I like it basic though. I, I like I've had it good stuff. Oh yeah, butter absolutely. Butter, okay. Oh, you know oil, butter, real butter. Really go for it. And you you want to low and slow it too, I yeah. think. Yeah, you don't want to hit it too high on the pan because you get that like scorch sort of on the outside, and then just like jelly in the middle, or, they, or not even jelly, just kind of like mush, mush in the yeah. middle. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough balance there because, like you said, you do want to have like some nice crust on there, but you do want that middle part to be kind of yeah. soft and fall apart. Like that's that's where a good like uh, cast iron skillet comes in. I think. There you go. And there I know, you go. I, man. I know there's like a war going on with cast iron versus uh, non-cast iron people. And I know that like this is two weeks past the expiration date for that when this comes out. But somebody posted the other day on Twitter that something basically about how cast iron skillets are super bougie. Really? And th- it blew my fucking mind. Cast iron skillets what? are poor people. Yeah, like, that's fucking poor people we- stuff. Yeah, it's like you, you have legacy cast iron skillets. Like the skillet that I cook on is from the seventies. Wow, and it's like incredible. I'm sure it's got the yes, memory it's of every meal with built so into much it. flavor. The but souls the of a thousand have... vanquished meals reside in its metals. <laughs> exactly, the thing couldn't have cost more than ten bucks in the seventies. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, cast iron skillets not bougie. Totally, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody around here has, like, a cast iron they inherited from their fucking Meemaw yeah. that's, like, 100 years I, old. Yeah, I realize you can probably go to some a super fancy store and buy some $200 cast iron skillet. 
it's no different. You're not getting any more quality mm-hmm. than just going to a lodge cast iron exactly. skillet that's like 20 bucks. Yeah. I do want to get me like a carbon steel pan. That seems to be like something that a lot of people are using. You can really yeah. season up and it has like the yeah. quick heating properties of like an aluminum pan that I really yeah. enjoy. That's one thing I don't like about cast iron is like I tend to cook fast most of the time. Most of the stuff I like to cook right. is like fast. Cast iron has to heat up. Yeah. yeah. And then it also retains its heat so long, which is, of course, yes, one of it its does. superpowers. Yes, it is. But, you know, depending on what you're making, that might not be what you need. So, like, a carbon steel seems like something that I could kind of get into that's sort of the best of both worlds. But, yeah, you're right, man. Cast iron is a thing of fucking magic, dude. We did a, a beautiful steak the other night from Hinhawk Butcher Shop in the Old City Knoxville. Yeah. It was a ribeye. Oh, my goodness mm. gracious. Just yeah, yeah. crusted that bad boy up. Just smoke up the entire house. Fuck yeah, I did. It was, yeah, it was I, pretty fucking smoky. Yeah, I love it, but it, that's the worst part about it yeah. is how smoky it gets. But goddamn, if you want to make a steak, that's the best that's way, to, the do way to do it. That's the way to do it, man. Yeah, several yeah. years ago, um, Kate and I started doing a French toast with just like some nice thick, like, like an Italian bread or a French bread or right, something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. A high-quality white loaf. That you yeah. can cut into big diagonal slices, you know? Yeah. And yeah, we tend to do like the milk, egg, cinnamon kind of thing. Just kind of mm-hmm. mix that all in there. And uh, the real clutch move, though, serve with strawberries. Mmm. Yo, yeah. Woo. Strawberries and I, uh, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Strawberries and make your own whipped cream. Add Ooh, it to yeah. the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just regular canned whipped cream. You don't have to make your own whipped cream. Canned stuff's fine. Yeah, and you can do some uh, whippets and get fucked up. Have a good time. Oh, man. <laughs> First thing in the morning, French toast and whippets, dude. Dude, the last time I did whippets is too recent <laughs> <laughs> to be almost 40. Wow, that's amazing. See, whenever I think about like good old-fashioned ready whip, like in my mind... It doesn't go to whippets first. It it goes to mm. potato cannon fuel first because right yeah. way back in the day, my brother and I made our own homemade uh-huh. potato cannon out of PVC pipe and stuff. Now that's about as awesome. fucking redneck as you get right yeah. there, y'all. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> a potato cannon, for one, can do massive damage and shoot like two Absolutely. football fields. Absolutely, it's insane. One hundred percent, it is dangerous as fuck. Oh yeah, and yeah. Every southern kid grew up either. Making one or knowing somebody who had one and not being able to play with them because of it. Yeah, <laughs> that was totally one of those, like, you can't go over to his house. They got one of them tater guns. Yeah. I don't want you fooling with that. <laughs> so, like, initially when we were going through the phase of trying to figure out the best propellant, we found, like, white rain hairspray was a number uh-huh. one propellant. I guess it has yeah. a lot of whatever is in yeah. there to make it work WD-40 so well. WD-40 is also a good one. Yeah, um, carburetor mm-hmm. cleaner, any kind of ether, yeah. anything like that, but... Yep. There towards the end, we figured out that if you use Ready Whip, the propellant in that is nitrous oxide. Yeah. So inside of the fuel <laughs> canister, uh, P.S., don't do this. Trademark dead love do it. This. Don't do yeah. this. Just <laughs> cover our asses. We are not recommending you do this. Don't. It's fucking dangerous. I'm surprised that my brother and I didn't blow our hands off doing this shit. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't. Absolutely. But we did find that if you... Turned a can of Ready Whip upside down, you know, and just kind of like <laughs> sniffed a little bit of the propellant out into the fuel tank. Holy fuck. That thing sounded like a sawed off 12 gauge going off. It was <laughs> insane. Flames would shoot That's out so the barrel. Funny. It would kick so hard. It was badass. We blew a hole in our garage door, which was like inch thick wood. You could kill I somebody think, with one of those. I think if you're playing the dead and lovely drinking game, you're probably already drunk. So. <laughs> the dead and lovely drinking game that I'm making up right now is 
Um, the boys talk for uh, an hour before ever even uh, getting to the preview palace. Oh, yeah. Achievements uh, unlocked. To, <laughs> yeah, to uh, food. You get a recipe at some yep. point. Redneck stuff. Three, we, we've, brought, <laughs> we've brought up redneck stuff. Four, we've also talked about wrestling. So That's true. we're yeah. really going for it, man. I, I think most people are plowed at this point. Yeah, five <laughs> talked about our wives. Oh, yeah, and we even had one on. Yeah, it's true. Maybe wow. I'll get Emily in here. That's a double bonus. <laughs> double bonus right there, man. <laughs> well, Steve, I'll tell you what, man. Now that we're getting ourselves properly dosed up on booze, I feel like I feel like my language, my, my tongue is changing. The world is changing. Mm-hmm. The world right, of my right. language is changing. I'm yeah. feeling like it's my, my 111th birthday. <laughs> And the way I speak is being invaded with all kinds of lines from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Is that crazy? Has the, has the speech of these movies infected my everyday vocabulary to the, the extent that I think it has? I think maybe it has been. Yeah. Because um, I know you and I both use lines from Lord of the Rings in our everyday speech. All the fucking time and it's to the extent that like well you know anybody that listened to our original uh fellowship of the ring episode last year knows like you and i have seen these movies 80 billion times i mean i watch them at least once a year sometimes Mm -hmm. multiple times a year and i have since they fucking came out p.s if you've not listened to the fellowship episode Go back and listen to it. There is some hilarious shit in there about the reproductive <laughs> lives of the Who's from Whoville. Oh, right. <laughs> there is all kinds of wild shit in that episode. I don't know what we were on, but it it was some good shit, apparently. Not wait, pickle wait, we beer. Were de- yeah, definitely. We were in the same room, so we were drunk. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we watch these movies all the fucking time, and... They're so immensely quotable. Like, you and me, uh, you and my friend Mitch, like, mm-hmm. so many people I know quote these movies all the time to the extent that I'll forget that that's why I even say one of these particular things, and then I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, oh, I say that. Got it. Yep. <laughs> so, Steve, I say before we get into the movie review, how about we just take ourselves just a, a slight detour, okay? Just Just a little... Just a little, you know, nosedive into the preview palace. What do you think? Boom, 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 boom. Ooh, majestic. Boom, 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 preview palace, preview palace, <laughs> preview palace. Wow, it's Shit, dude. This is a very musical episode. Yeah. <laughs> that might be another drinking game thing. We sing. That's already happened right? I think three well, times, four times yeah, this episode. That happens so every single episode for sure. Yeah. That's definitely good. <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly, like talking about Shawn Michaels theme song might be its own category. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, since we're here in the preview palace, how about we just spend a little bit of time here informing these busters? About how often we use vocabulary and lines from Lord of the Rings uh-huh. in our everyday lives, Steve. As I was yeah. watching through the two towers for this episode, I was just keeping myself a tally going of lines from just this movie that I say yeah. all the fucking time. I'll just I'll start you uh-huh. off with an easy one. You know, at the first of this movie, we kind of get the Friday the Thirteenth flashback, the previously on Lord of the right. Rings. We start off with old uh, old Gandalf there fighting that Balrog. Not Balrog mm-hmm. from Street Fighter. He's not boxing. No boxing no. moves. 
not boxing, but that would be an interesting mashup. Man, I what would, like what would that see. be like? In the first I movie, would... if he's like, he's awakened to Balrog, and like Balrog just comes out like punching his gloves together, like getting ready to fight and stuff. Punch, punch. And then there's just people in the background just raising their hands. Yeah, exactly. Repeatedly yeah. over and over Repeatedly with one static animation. Right. <laughs> Gandalf has to fight him. Yeah, he's got to fight her. I think they're, they're falling down the chasm and Balrog's just punching the shit out of him. Gandalf's like, God damn. <laughs> I don't even know my super moves. <laughs> well, at least he doesn't have any kicks. Yeah, no kicks. I know what not to expect. <laughs> so, you know, for example, in this movie, it starts off with that kind of recap, which, of course, has, you know, the, the famous Gandalf line, you shall yeah. not pass. This is something yeah. mm-hmm. that I yeah. say constantly when I'm in traffic. Yeah. Like, anytime I'm in traffic, <laughs> cruising down the road, and, like, there's some guy driving slow in the right lane, and I'm like, I'm going to pass this motherfucker. You know how it is. You get in the left lane, you speed up, and then they speed right. up. I'm always right. like, look at this motherfucker Gandalfing me. This motherfucker, you shall not pass in my ass. Gandalfing you. Getting Gandalfed you over here. Pass. Uh-huh. That yeah. happens to me all the time. That's one I use constantly. Yeah, I uh, I use fly, you fools, Ooh, a lot. yeah. And also in a driving situation where, like, <laughs> if somebody is in the way and then, like, you know, you're on a country road and then they turn. Oh, like, yeah. Why, you fools. <laughs> and then off I go. <laughs> That's a useful one. You could probably come up with yeah. other other situations where oh, that would yeah, work they, well, I think. My, I could think of one right now. Yeah. And by the way, uh, this is a whole category for me. You could definitely say it after a fart. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. I'm thinking <laughs> about you that. Fools. It works. <laughs> It works. You know, one line in here that's one of the first lines that we get from Gollum that I always jump towards is, it burns, it freezes. <laughs> it freezes. I say that a lot, It too. burns, it freezes. And especially, <laughs> like, you know, our dog has, like, arthritis, and so oftentimes, Aww. especially days where she's having, like, some really bad joint pain and stuff, we'll do, like, a hot pack, a cold pack, or whatever. Uh-huh. You know how dogs are. They just don't fucking understand anything you're doing to them. They're like, why are yeah. you putting this on me? What did I do to deserve this? Even though you know uh-huh. it doesn't feel bad or anything. Right. But I'll very frequently put that heat pack or cold pack on the dog's leg, and she just, they give you that look like, why are you doing this to me? But I'm why? also your hostage, so I'm going to allow it. Yeah. And I just imagine in her little doggy mind, she's going, it burns. It freezes. It freezes. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. You know what I'm just thinking about, too? Damn it, dude. What? We should totally be marketing gurus. We've come up with all kinds of oh, great absolutely. advertising things, like the Hagazoo sub uh-huh. with Quiznos, <laughs> right, baby back yeah. ribs and mushrooms, the, right? The, <laughs> and goat cheese, <laughs> the Cenobites, the Cenobites, for, uh, of course. Yep. Why yeah. didn't Icy Hot hire Gollum as his spokesperson? <laughs> <laughs> Icy Hot. It burns. It freezes. <laughs> you know, it shows Go- Gollum, and he's just gotten done like right. swimming in the river after a fish, maybe sure. climbing down a mountain. He's like, it's Ooh, joint my hat. shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he rubs maybe some ice. He's hanging hot. out with Shaq, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd love that. Yeah. Shaq pedals anything, dude. That guy sells he does. fucking yeah. anything. Yeah. Anything. Shaq doesn't give a fuck. I think Shaq like, is the yes, one right. that, that rubs down Gollum with some Icy Hot. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's what he says. That's the tagline. He's like, oh, it burns. It's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's great. That's great. Um, I think this one really needs to get in 
to uh, everyone's vernacular. Just okay. anytime some sort of uh, political malarkey is going on. Oh, some malarkey. Or, yeah, so, some uh, ridiculousness in the news. Just try this one out. Sounds like orc mischief to me. <laughs> Just anything that seems suspect, huh? Yep. Sounds like orc mischief to me. Probably those fucking orcs, you know? <laughs> yeah, probably the damn orcs are at it again. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's something we can all unite on, you know, in this nation. I think we can all unite against the orcs. Yeah, fuck orcs, right? Fucking orcs, Actually, man. I have, I have a bit to say about that when we get to the movie. All but right. yes, fuck orcs. All right, all right. Now, I don't know about you, Steve, but I think if anybody saw me struggling to choke down even a tiny sip of that pickle beer, I think if I was hanging around some Urukai, I definitely would have heard, Can't take its draft! <laughs> Which is something I say anytime Can't I see, like, <laughs> fucking yeah. Instagram or TikTok videos with people, like, you know, fucking puking off of shots or just, like, falling down <laughs> drunk or whatever. I'm always like, can't take his draft. <laughs> That's one that always works for me. This is only in the extended edition. Okay. So this is a line people probably, unless you watch the extended editions, don't know. But it's something I think I could say um, regularly, though I, d I don't get the opportunity. There was this large barrel full of pipe weed. And we smoked it all. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a line Pippin says to Mary about a dream he had. <laughs> That's a line you hope to say one day, right? It's exactly, yeah. When I heard that dream, I was like, man, that's a dope dream. Dude. <laughs> They're at the end of the movie. They end up with barrels of dope. Just barrels. Barrels. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Man, those little dudes just high as a motherfucker. I, like, I know they turn it, like, it is tobacco or whatever, but, like, the, no, the way not. that they Come talk on. about it throughout, it's just, like, they call it weed. It's obviously, like, when, uh, in the first fellowship, like, when Gandalf and, uh, uh, fucking Bilbo are smoking and, like, you know, blowing rings and stuff. It's just, like, they both are just sitting there like they're stoned. It's yeah. just, like, they, I think, I think Peter Jackson played that up a little, probably, right? Yeah, like he, he was probably, like, like, read into the text of the book a little bit, because, I mean, there's there's stuff in there, like, whenever Gandalf and, uh, and Sour Man are hanging out. <laughs> old Sour old Man. Old Sour Man. He's like, <laughs> your love of the halfling's leaf has weakened your mind. It's like, that's something you say to stoners, right? Right. That is not about tobacco. That is definitely about cannabis. And that's absolutely a line, just as a PS, that's absolutely a line that Kate and I use all the time. Whenever one of us can't remember right. something, it's like, who was that guy? Or what is it we were supposed to do? It's like, your love of the halfling's <laughs> weed has weakened your mind. You have to say it. <laughs> you absolutely do. Um, <laughs> there, there's another one. I This is like, it's so weird that it sticks in my mind, but it's just the way that... Um, just the way that it's said by Ian McKellen when uh, he the horse, what's his name? Shadow, not Shadow, Shadow Fox? Fox. Is that the name of that? Yeah, the Lord of all horses. Um, the Lord of all horses, and has been my friend through many dangers. Like I, <laughs> that goes through my mind all the time. When like I don't know why, when my dog pleases me or something, I just think like she's the Lord of all dogs, and has been <laughs> my friend through many dangers. Salem T. Boggins, the Lord of yeah, all I'm dogs. Lord of all dogs. Yeah. Do you think that scene whenever Shadowfax showed up would have been enhanced if it would have played Amazing Horse in the background? <laughs> Remember Amazing Horse? 
No. Look at my no. horse. My horse is amazing. That, that's like early internet shit right there, dude. Somebody in their car right now the is fucking so loving much easier. it. Dude. They, were, they right. are loving this joke. I can tell you, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, I remember. I remember it was easy horse. back in the day, wasn't it? Like, I think so, yeah. Basically, if you could make a video, it was like viral. Yeah, yeah, because there just weren't really <laughs> many videos. I mean, honestly, that's the thing is like, TikTok is kind of the same way right now, where if you it go is. on there, literally yeah. any video has fucking two million views. Yeah. I don't it's know why just, we're not doing it. That's a good question. Maybe we do it. Check out the TikTok, uh, Dead and Lovely TikTok, probably at Dead Lovely Pod. Yeah, probably is what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know about Write you, Steve, down. but anytime that I see... Like, let's say, let's say the dog looking at the winder. You know, we live in the city. The dog uh-huh. looks at the winder every now and then. You can tell she's focused on something or another. Yeah. Every time that happens, of course, I say, what do you I see? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to. Oh, man. Anytime that somebody's line. looking at something, what do your elf eyes see? What do your elf eyes see? Which, Absolutely. of course, it, it just makes me think about all those incredible memes that people have made. I've talked about these many times right. on the show. Of like, what do your elf eyes see? Just type in what do your elf eyes see meme. You'll find some yeah. fucking hilarious shit. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings memes are still pretty, like, on fire. Dude, like, and that's how I know we're yeah. not crazy. Is because, like, right. we've been addicted to quoting the shit and talking about this shit for almost 20 years now and yeah. it's clear that we're not the only ones i follow yeah, several lord of the rings meme pages on instagram and shit dave bachet sends us a bunch all the time too uh-huh yeah which are much appreciated yeah, yeah very much i yeah i follow uh lotr memes on yep, on the same. old uh, reddit Love it. Love yeah it. absolutely yeah yeah the, it's it's just full of of great stuff that that definitely either i say or, or goes through my mind a lot that specifically <laughs> I, I love the line Gandalf says to Wormtongue, I have not crossed through fire and death to bandy words with a crooked worm. Like, I think about that <laughs> every ass. time I see a Twitter or Facebook disagreement or yeah. something. It's just like, <laughs> that is exactly what I want to say. I ain't about to not be dealing with your shit. That, but that's what I want to say. Dude, yeah, Gandalf's got a lot of fucking killer lines in oh, all absolutely. the movies for sure, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't be hasty is one we use around the house. Don't all the hasty, time yeah. don't be hasty a tree beard line tree beard he yeah. ain't in no hurry Treebeard's... for much anything no and he, he's full of great lines himself oh yeah he is man i bet tree beard hates an instapot don't you i would imagine so yeah he's like too <laughs> too quick yeah he's more get, of a crock pot guy. fuck it get it out of here <laughs> you don't want your rushing on much nothing man no not at all I bet Treebeard really loves like doom metal and like stoner metal and like Sun O, <laughs> just stuff that's just like feedback yeah. for like twenty minutes. I bet that's his fucking shit. That is, is he is just into it, but you can't tell. I imagine watching him because he just slowly nods his head. Yeah, like so imperceptibly. <laughs> like, there's the downbeat. Yeah, uh, the the line he says the uh, that doesn't make sense to me. But then again, you are very small. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why would it, really? Yeah, that that runs through my mind a lot, again, with my dog, because she's small, and she does this stuff that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yep. See, that's the thing. Is like The don't be hasty line is one that, well, you know, I think that we all know 
every fucking person has their dog voice that they make up for their dog, right? Oh, absolutely. This is the thing, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whenever we had little Attila, he would always, especially in his older age and stuff like that, whenever we'd take him on walks and stuff, he would he would stop and smell the roses just all absolutely. the damn time. He would take his uh-huh. damn time whenever he was on a stroll. And that was always one of those things that we just would always imagine he was saying. We'd be like, come on, man, we want to get back to this walking action. And of course, the little <laughs> guy would be like, don't be hasty. Don't be hasty. He yeah, knows what's good in life. Great. He knows what's good. He really does. Uh, the maggoty bread line is one <laughs> I think of every time I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> we had nothing to eat but maggoty bread all week. And two, I'm sure, because, you know, you're you're leaning towards the ketosis and stuff like that. You're like, right. looks like meat's back on the menu, boy, <laughs> all the time, right? Yes. The best keto line. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Oh, I, I hope you're and excited to talk about work. fucking keto diets in this movie, because I got some shit I want to tell you about, Steve. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll say, I'm, I'm going to save that for fucking later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite lines that's delivered in this movie is by is by Gollum. And this is one you can use in a lot of different purposes. It's always kind of the right time to send this to maybe a close buddy or something like that. Because there's that part where Gollum is kind of arguing with himself. And he says, you don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. (laughs) That's some real cold-blooded shit you can just bust out. It really is. Pretty much any time. Dude, he's so mean to himself. <laughs> uh this is another nice mean line that is I think also yeah it's only in the extended editions cuz Denethor says it. Um but I think about it all the time. Um I know his uses and they are few. <laughs> they I think are about few. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think about that a lot when I think about certain people like I know his uses. I'm thinking of a few. lot of people right now. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people I've worked with or like, you know, played music with and stuff. And I'm like, right. Mm, his exactly. uses are few. Few. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever go to the grocery store and pick up some potatoes and go, what's potatoes? Yes. yes. <laughs> All the time. I have yeah. to. Or potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Boil them. I mash them. Stick them in a like- stew. Yeah, anytime I'm writing it down, that's in my head. Like <laughs> my head is like potatoes, right? Yes, that is how you spell that. Well, especially because I live with somebody who, uh, as an absolute obscurity for someone who comes from a, a German family, uh, Kate doesn't like potatoes at all. Whoa! Like in no way, shape, or fashion, she just thinks they are the most blowing worthless food ever. Um, which is wow. Um, my God, man, potatoes are the b- fucking best. Potatoes are love. Everybody's got a hot take. That might be the hottest. Yeah, that's a fucking scalding yeah. hot. That's a twice baked <laughs> take. Is what that is. For real. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, every time you know, there's like potatoes in something that we order, like a, a curry, or I make a curry and it's got potatoes right. like that. She's just like, why, why? And I'm always just like, well, <laughs> fucking boil them, mash them. Stick them in a stew. Yeah. Like, come Stick on. Stick them in a stew. <laughs> They're potatoes. They're good. He almost, it almost feels like uh, he had. He almost had like a Bubba, Bubba moment from Forrest Gump. Boil <laughs> oh them, yeah. Mash them. Stick them in a stew. Steam them. Fry jambalaya, <laughs> coconut, rice them. You can do <laughs> yeah. all sorts of things with potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, um, right. I, this is one I thought that uh, you might try. You might try maybe even writing a song to go with this this quote. But I think metal guitarists could definitely use this. 
bring your pretty face to my axe. Oh, dude, Gimli's line in there. So fucking yeah. metal, dude. Yes, Talking to that warg. Yes. Fucking bring I, it to my axe. Absolutely. This, I mean, like, just speaking of, of metal in reference to Lord of the Rings oh, is man. like, yeah, like, the, it is metal as fuck. Fuck and yeah. And then the... Like, you got Christopher Lee in here, who is a metal icon. He has a mind of metal indeed. A mind of metal they and wheels. They even say it in the fucking movie. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Trees hate wheels. I hadn't really thought about that, but I was like, well, yeah. what use do they have for them, really? <laughs> why would, yeah, why would a tree want a wheel? Trees probably Fuck don't like wheel. much else other than other trees, <laughs> sunlight, and water. That's about all they oh, like. Oh, dirt. They like dirt. A yeah, lot. they're big on dirt. Yeah. Oh, man. I bet they have big, like, opinions on dirt. Probably. The dirt over there fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know the ants got to be cussing. Oh, yeah. You know they do, man. You know yeah. they do. Like somebody steps on a root <laughs> 20 minutes later. Son Fuck. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, too. Speaking of those ants... There's a uh, line. This is one of those ones, man, where like uh, me and my friend Mitch, old Flat Earth Mitchell True Old Mitchell. Uh-huh. Yep. We both have, have always been obsessed with these movies. Like it was the kind of thing where it's like any time that we were over at his house, like these would be on on DVD. I mean, this entire time period, these movies were always on at your house or your friend's house. They were just always on. Always. Uh-huh. And uh, there was True. always a line that that Treebeard says whenever he's, like, summoning up all the ints for the int moot. Right. And it's just, like, the way he says it is so fucking funny. And we always talk about this, especially when we're talking about, like, guitars and, like, what wood we'd want to have this guitar made of or whatever. He's like, see where you're going. Beech, oak, chestnut, ash. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to always come up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's also kind of muddled up with that part in best in show where eugene levy is looking at the the little train station village that that guy has made and he's like i would put tiny leaves on all the trees maple oak chestnut (laughs) like it's kind of muddied up with both of them you know the part i'm talking about yeah yeah those two have gotten kind of blended in mitch and i's strange hive mind that we share funny combo yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's one that we definitely throw around all the fucking time as well as that part in the first movie where uh, Bilbo sounds like fucking Ozzy Osbourne, and he's like, "It's my hundredth birthday." <laughs> just sounds like I'm fucking Ozzy. This really runs over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got any uh, others here that you use? Yeah, all the time? I got. I got one more that go that like I I think of or say pretty regularly, and I don't know like why my association like. Anytime a professional whatever fucks up at their profession, I think a wizard should know better. (laughs) If you're a professional or something, you are a wizard and ought to know better. You ought to know better. (laughs) That makes perfect sense, I think. (laughs) Yeah. This is, oh, here's another one I thought of, and I've never... This is, it's only going to be in my head now because of doing this podcast. But <laughs> I thought if you were a medieval 9-11 conspiracy theorist, oh, wow. you, could, you could say this line, how can fire undo stone? 
<laughs> you know what? It, it's all coming so together, dude. Specific... This movie's called The Two Towers. <laughs> yeah. It came out the year right. after 9-11. The truth is out Whoa. there. Turns out orcs did 9-11. <laughs> Sounds like orc mischief to me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Sounds like orc mischief to me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy yeah. shit, man. You God. got anything else? No, dude. That I think that's oh, the majority okay. of the ones yeah. that I've at least plucked from this movie. I'm sure there's some in Return of the King that I'm forgetting about. I'll, but oh, of course, definitely. I'm about to rewatch yeah. that, too, because... Why the fuck wouldn't I? I'm just going to watch two of them right. and not watch the third one? Are you crazy? That would be ridiculous. I got halfway through it, so I watched two and a half hours. Yeah, I was going to say, so you yeah. spent all day watching it, and <laughs> yeah. you're halfway done. As I said, I watched this three times for the podcast, Jesus so I've been a Christ. little busy. That's it, like 12 well, hours thing, of this movie. It is, I, and I actually watched um, the theatrical edition for the oh. first time in forever. Ever. I haven't seen it since the fucking theater, I don't guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah, I got I got a lot to say about the differences between the theatrical edition and extended edition, but hmm. Hey Ben. Hey Steve. Are you looking for the ultimate stocking stuffer for this holiday season? I sure am. What I gonna stuff that thing with? Well, Ben, look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped. <gasps> have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Oh my god, they got the tools that you need for your tools. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's tool time. <laughs> it's tool time with Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. I think so, Tim. I'm pretty sure, Tim. <laughs> you see, Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, Ben. This is for all our European, Canadian, and Australian listeners. <gasps> Manscaped just released their products across your vast countries. Holy wow. This is going to be a globe covered in shiny, clean globes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know some of you out there are thinking... It's a it's a crazy old time. I don't even get out ever. Why do I need to manscape? Let me tell you this. When you look good, you feel good. Mm. And when your boys look good, boy, do they feel good. I'll tell you that. You're doggone right. You're doggone right, Steve. Just because you're in quarantine don't mean you don't need to be clean, y'all. But, Steve, let me let you in on a little secret here, because I know we got a lot of listeners on the show here that are saying, but, Ben, but, Steve, I ain't got no balls of my own. I don't need what? this manscaping. Let me tell here. you what, ladies. This can be for you, too, because I'm going to tell you what. You can get this thing and take advantage of using that up before somebody creates womanscaped and starts charging you three times as much for the same stuff. Y'all know how this works. Listen to me, dead and lovelies. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. What's in there? You get the lawnmower 3.0 for lawn mowing your nards area. It's skin safe. I used it. No tugs, no nicks. I enjoyed it. You can even create a little less mess by using that thing in the shower or getting one of those magic mat disposable shaving mats they got. Catch all that hair as it drops. And let's not forget about the crop preserver. Anti-chafing ball deodorant? Do what? And moisturizer. This is amazing. You're putting deodorant on your armpits. 
Get some deodorant for your balls. What else are you going to get in that perfect package 3.0? Some anti-chafing performance boxer briefs. I don't know how they've done it. It's time to get this perfect package 3.0. Get clean like Mean Jeans bald head. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DEAD20. That's D-E-A-D-2-0 at manscaped.com. So this holiday season, be sure to trim the tree and trim up your balls with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And so will the people that love your balls. Let's get let's get into this. Let's Two get into towers this. conversation. Talk about the twin towers of the Lord of the Ring. Now this movie is one of those rare times that a part 2, a sequel came out. Uh-huh. And yeah. more than lived up to your expectations. Because there's, there's so many times, man, where, you know, a part one of something is completely incredible and you love it and you know part two is coming and it comes out and you're fucking disappointed. And yep. this was not one of those times. Um, no, not at all. As I said back on our fellowship episode, like these movies are, are massively important to me. And I loved the first movie you know, as soon as I saw it in theaters, whenever it came out and, you know, we knew the plan. The plan was that they were going to release them sequentially year by year around Christmas time, which is part of why I watch these at Christmas, I guess. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, it is a Christmas movie. There's elves, right? Right. Elves. Uh True. True. There's a guy (laughs) with a white beard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Santa. Come on. Absolutely. And by the way, he sort of brings a huge present at the end. The writers of, of Rohan, so... That's true. That is true, Basically, man. this is a Christmas movie, yep. Um, he dies and comes back, kind of like Jesus, if you're into that, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> you know, I think it works. So whenever, you know, we knew that the second one was coming out, the expectations were certainly high, because that, that first movie was just so mind-blowing whenever it came out, that it's like, how can the second movie live up to that, but... These movies all really flow together as though to feel like one fucking movie. Like, they were all filmed, yeah. you know, simultaneously. Right, yeah. Um, with the same crew and everything working on them, so you do have a really seamless feel. It doesn't It doesn't feel like, oh, man, part two was, was directed by a different guy, and it looks way different, and then part three... It's not like the fucking new Star Wars movies, is what I'm saying, where you can tell yeah, a lot of hands of in all that trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is completely, completely consistent... Because you had yeah. the same crew that were all just obsessed with making this as perfectly as humanly possible, no matter what it took, no matter how much time it took, no matter how much budget it took, you had a giant crew of people obsessed with making this perfect at literally any cost, and they handled all three movies in-house themselves, and it absolutely shows through, because whenever I saw this movie, I was every bit as thrilled as I was when I saw the first one, and... I, I just absolutely couldn't wait until the next year to see how the entire thing played out and finished up with Return of the King. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it absolutely is recapturing the magic of the first one, which I'll say for me personally is very rare because you know how much of a sucker I am for an origin story. Yeah. I love the setup, yeah. you know? Like, I love yeah. the, the world building of, like, here's a person that's living an ordinary life. Now they're ripped out of it and thrown into magic adventures and stuff. Like, I love that shit. I love the first Harry Potter book. Absolutely. I've read it, like, a million times. Same with yeah. the first movie and stuff, too. So for this to not really have an origin story in it, 
and to captivate me every bit as much, maybe even more than the first movie. Yeah. That is, you know, from my experience as a human, a rare feat. Did this movie have the same experience on you whenever you saw it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I and you know what you're talking about uh, with like firsts of things is like th- there's there's so much there where it's like e- there's the potential like so much potential of the first book in a series and the first book film and in in a trilogy or whatever that like the there's always so much anticipation associated with it that's what I think we like about them. So yeah, what you're saying for a second to really follow up and like I do think surpass the first is uh, is rare. I mean, you think of maybe like Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm, as yeah. a, an example of of a, a sequel that is better than the original. I would say any any number of sequels in the Friday the Thirteenth series are. A better than the first for Some me. Some people might say Pinkerton by Weezer. <laughs> drink, drink. Yep. That's definitely <laughs> There's another one right there. Dead and lovely drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Like just like the fact that there's no, we're, everything's already established for us in this. But it's still you still go into it with that same sense of wonder. Yeah. Of like so much could happen. The world is so big and there's so much that you could see happen. And there's so much to think through, like so many different storylines. It, yeah, it's real hard to think of a sequel that, that more perfectly nails exactly what you would want out of a sequel. No doubt. Than The Two Towers. For sure, man. And the thing about it is, is like for a really successful part two to work... You know, it can't just be a repeat of part one. It has to no. expand the world. It has yeah. to introduce yeah. new elements, new dangers, new characters, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you can yep. only successfully do that if the characters and their personalities and storylines are well-developed enough in part one. Right. And, you know, obviously, there's like a million characters in this shit. There are a lot of characters yeah. throughout these movies. So many. Like it's not even worth talking about the cast and everything they've been no, in because no. they're they've been in everything and there's a million of them. Yeah, that's the cast. Exactly, man. And you know we were introduced to all those main characters and they were fleshed out so well in the first movie. I mean, you got to know the Fellowship of the Ring. You know, Gimli and yeah. Legolas and Aragorn, all the characters and stuff. In yeah. there were so fleshed out that whenever the second movie starts and we're introduced to all these other new characters like the writers of Rohan and all these other cats that are in this movie that it's like, okay, I'm ready for more characters. I can take more on because the uh, central cast is so well-established already. Yeah. Yeah, There's no question about who they are. Mm -mm. Like the only one that we're watching develop like very drastically is Frodo. Yeah. And that's, that's the main story in itself. So like, yeah, like it makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, everything is just so perfectly set up to basically, basically play with your toys. Like that's what this greatness of this sequel is, is they're playing with their toys. Like we've set up all these really cool toys and now we get to make them bash together and have a war. (laughs) And then they scissor afterwards and make up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and this is like genius 
writing choice, basically, because Boromir's death actually happens in the beginning of the the Two Towers book. Yes. And the Two Towers book ends with uh, the Frodo in the cave and Shelob and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. So the Two Towers movie is an invention, essentially. <laughs> That's true. It's like, kind of like got a little bit of its predecessor and the book that came after it at the same time. Yeah. This. Yeah. And it, it's, it is, it's basically taking uh, classic books that people adore and editing them in a way that everybody still liked. Yeah, because like, that's, that's the thing, man. Like, okay, you know, and for all the Lord of the Rings nerds out there listening, if you haven't there are, figured yeah, it there out There are people yet. that don't love the movies. That's true. Sure, that that's love true. the books and don't love the movies. But it's few and far between, I've found. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, for all the, the, you know, Tolkien scholars listening to this, if you haven't figured it out yet... We're not Tolkien scholars. <laughs> like, no, we're fucking idiots. No. Like, I've read the books once. I uh, have not read the books. Yeah, yeah, we've seen the movies a million times, but we still know just because we're so obsessed with this shit. We know there's differences and stuff. And oh, uh, absolutely. You know, again, having read the books and stuff like that, I can tell you for sure. Even though it is absolutely astounding, I mean, astounding how much detail uh, Tolkien put into this world. The the yeah. languages, the geography, the history of everything. Yeah, I don't know how one person so did it in one lifetime. It's absolutely unreal. Uh, could have used an editor, though. Like, honest to God. Right. You know, if you've ever read the books, you know, they get very wordy and very verbose. And there's Extremely. a lot of... That's why yeah. I couldn't get through them. Yeah. Because I, I started reading the first one and I got like... 10 pages in probably and was just like what the fuck not interested oh yeah Set it aside it's yeah. gonna be about a hundred pages before you get out of the get Shire. anywhere yeah. right and <laughs> yeah. then it gets really cool but there's still like a lot of little side stories and diversions that don't really matter all that much and it's like well yeah but that's how life goes and it's like yeah but this is a book so i want to be told an yeah, entertaining, be entertained. Story. yeah right so the choices that they made with these movies I'm very okay with, I mean, the way that the Two Towers book ends with, you know, Frodo's possible death is an incredible cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean. But the you can't pull it. Yeah, exactly. You can't pull it now. It's everybody knows it. You can't pull it. It's 2002. Yeah. So. It, yeah. So why even bother tacking it onto this? Because exactly. after the absolutely fucking incredible battle that we have in this movie, you would yeah. need to spend an additional 20, 30 minutes. Exactly. Leading up to the betrayal uh, that leads to Frodo's possible death. And it's like at that point, I think that just would have been a really weird rhythm for this movie to end yes. that way, where it's like incredible heroic battle. The good guys won. 20 or 30 minutes later, this guy dies in a cave. See you next year. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have actually taken away something that i mean you no way in foresight you could have seen this but in hindsight this is true that so many people i know who love things about lord of the rings but don't love the movies love Gollum in the two towers yeah like, my wife absolutely adores Gollum in the Two Towers and has seen the Two Towers a bunch, but has not seen the other two movies a lot. 
Oh, really? Because she loves Gollum. She loves the story of Gollum and how he worked in the Two Towers. And that would not work. Like, it would be a betrayal to those people at the end if suddenly you see the twist of Gollum betraying Frodo. Hmm, like, yeah. The, the movie does a good job of establishing all of the empathy in the world for Gollum so that you understand his motivations well in Return of the King. And it is a surprise, but not a surprise. It's like... You're more in his head than you would be the other way. Yeah, yeah. So it works really well. And what's great about that, too, is that, you know, in this particular movie, whenever we do have, you know, Gollum presented and stuff to um, Frodo and, and Sam, those two guys, those two hobbits there are really playing out probably the audience's two different reactions to Gollum, where yeah. Sam is like, this guy's shady as fuck. Keep him away. Yeah, he is. And then yeah. Frodo is like, I feel kind of sorry for this guy. He's fucked up. And I yeah, feel like if you're sitting there in the theater watching, you're probably in one in of those two worlds, camps. Yeah, you, yeah. There's there's one one of of two running in your head, definitely. And I I definitely think that for me, it's um, I I am on the the Frodo side. Like I I as like my wife and I watched it together and like she really just does not she's not about sam being mean to smeagol Mm -hmm. like just and i am i'm with her but i get it as well i get sam because what's going on is he smeagol he's a he's a ticking time bomb he's going to eventually try to get the ring yeah it's going to happen no matter how nice he is along the way. Yeah, I mean, and that's why he started more... following him anyway. Exactly. And it's going to be more of a surprise if you pretend it's not going to happen. Mm. So I get why he's treating him that way. I could not do it. I, I, I would still be nice to him because he's being nice to me no matter what I knew was going to happen in the future. But then at the same time, like Sam's distrust of Gollum is all related to how much he loves Frodo. Because yes, ultimately he's he so is there to, to Frodo. Yeah, he's there to protect his buddy and to keep him safe. And he sees this guy as a threat. He's like, you're out here to fucking, you know, fuck my boy over. So I yeah. distrust you. It's not a matter of like him being a distrustful prick that just doesn't like people or let people in. No. It's because of how much he loves Frodo that he doesn't accept Gollum. Right. And and so I, I it think makes it more like, understandable. It does. And and I think that um so Andy Circus plays the role as as a, an addict. Like yeah. he's emaciated, he's he got that yeah. barely there hair, some some fucking rotted out teeth and stuff, big bulging yeah. eyes, very very much like a fucking crack addict or something. Yeah, so Gollum is um so he he is in some ways it's like it's like Gollum is the pusher. He's 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 got the he knows the buttons to push with Frodo regarding the ring. Yeah. Uh, again, I haven't read the books. I I'm going to read the books before we do Return of the King Hell next yeah. year. Uh, that is my solemn vow. Uh but I I 
I know that in the books he spends five centuries with the ring. Yeah. So long so, time. Yeah. Uh so he Smeagol knows the ring in and out and knows exactly what Frodo is going through. And in some ways seems to be like I I get you. Like I I'm with you. We you know I know it's a heavy we'll, cross to bear. Right. We'll get there together or whatever. Yeah, I've been through this but in too. This, yeah, but in the same way he wants it in such a way you cannot understand. Mm-hmm. He's had it for five centuries. Yeah, yeah. He's followed... Yeah, he followed them through the mines of Moria and shit. Like, he, he's after it. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the same way, too, it's like that's very similar to the kind of uh, manipulative, deceitful tactics that, you know, drug addicts and stuff like that often take on to yes. get what they want out of people. Yes, and, and and that it's, uh, and it's a it's. I mean, this this movie deals a lot with whether people can be redeemed, whether yeah. people can come back from certain things, and the the outlook of the movie certainly is that they can't. Like even even Frodo has to go off to the Undying Lands, like because he is. His addiction, his desire, his his connection to the ring is still there. Yeah, like he's he's got to escape Middle Earth entirely. Um, so this this movie has that perspective, and that is why there there's a dichotomy of how to deal with addiction of of just either be a dick to the person or be understanding, but put your yourself up for potential you know heartbreak or you know, harm by being connected with this person who might very well do anything to get their fix. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like Frodo and Sam really play out those two different attitudes where Sam seems to have the idea of, like, this guy's already fucked up. He's going to stay fucked up. Yeah, there's no changing him him ever. Don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas uh, Frodo is more like, I really pity him. Like, he even says, like, now that I see him, because, you know... Uh Gandalf had told him about Smeagol and stuff, and he's like, now that I see him, I I pity him. And that's very yeah. understandable. I mean, if you've ever seen somebody that's really fucking strung out and it's rough. The chemicals in their body are just going fucking crazy. And it's not it's their pitiful. fault. Like that's the thing. You look at it and it's like like you can be mad at Smeagol all you want, but at no point is it his fault. Like mm-hmm. he is absolutely incapable uh, against the power of the ring yeah he, he can't like he's not he's not faramir he's not aragorn he's not those people he cannot just say no right yeah yeah he should have said no to the ring right exactly but that that's exactly what i'm saying is that like that there's so many people with that proclivity and the the society we have unfortunately in america is very much set up to create addictions yeah for sure so there there are people who are just like smeagol they're never going to have that power Mm -hmm. to say no and unfortunately if it comes into their possession if they if they end up in that situation it's just gonna happen to them yeah Uh, and and uh, yeah he's he's very smeagol is very much representative of that in a way that I probably probably was not in the books, I would assume. I can't remember 
exactly how much all that played out. I'm, I want to say that it's pretty accurate to the book, but maybe I'm wrong. It's been several years since we went through the book, so I, like, maybe I'm wrong. Having seen it as a former, like when I was religious, I saw so much religious allegory in this and knowing that Tolkien was a devout Catholic, mm-hmm. my what I think that he was going for with this was particularly sin. Like he was thinking this as the person who falls into sin. Oh, temptation. Yeah. What, right. Uh, I, I don't think he saw like he probably didn't have a lot of experience with actual drug addiction. Again, don't know for sure, but I I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where to go with that. I think, I think, it is circus's decision to play it like an addict that that makes it read that way mhm but that also that makes too, it work that way you know the design of the character speaks a lot of that as well where he has yes, this it does. Um, emaciated super skinny emaciated yeah yeah he looks like one of those creatures at the bottom of the ocean that lives in total darkness that has overdeveloped eyes and the the pale skin that's almost right. translucent and stuff because of course he's lived yep. in the caves of the the Misty Mountains for fucking ever with yeah. the ring. They said that they did like thousands, literally thousands of design sketches before uh, before they on decided on that one. Yeah, which is which is yeah. wild, and it's wild to me too to think about the fact that you know in this trilogy of movies, when you think about the Lord of the Rings, of course you think about Gollum, you think about Andy Serkis' mm-hmm. performance yeah. and stuff, and you're like, oh yeah, he's not really in a third of it. Like he's not in the first movie. At all, you see his hands yeah, and his two, eyes. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's just the the hand and the eyes that we see in Moria, and then on the river. Yeah, and Shire Baggins. Yeah. That's basically it. But yeah. the fact is, is that even though he's only in, you know, two out of three movies, the performance and stuff is so legendary that you think of it as yeah. being this all encompassing thing that's all over the entire trilogy. When he created a type of performance. Yeah, like, for real. He he made motion capture a Legit. type of performance without Andy Serkis's performance as uh, Smeagol slash Gollum. Uh, we don't have the MCU. We don't have True. Uh, any yeah, of these. Yeah, there'd be no Thanos like, without Gollum. Absolutely not. We mm-hmm. do not have these types of movies without this because he created a type of performance yeah. that is very much like recognizing how your body works in space in a way that acting never has had to really deal with for sure and he he does he andy circus is a goddamn genius is what i'm saying oh yeah like like you watch those uh, um uh planet of the apes movies and without a doubt caesar is the most captivating performance throughout oh yeah without a doubt it's motion capture it's a it's a chimp it, it's not even a real chimp it is a completely fabricated chimp and still compelling yeah and that's the wild thing about it too though man is like andy circus whenever his agent got him the job was like do you want to fly out to new zealand for a couple of weeks of voiceover yeah work? for a voiceover role yeah, yeah. and then they're like <laughs> it was gonna they, be voiceover they what? totally changed the track of of action here and they're like actually why don't we just have you act the parts out because you understand the character so fucking well. I mean, dude, it's one thing to be an amazing voice actor, and Andy Serkis yeah. is an incredible, yeah, unparalleled voice actor, but then to also have 
not just the acting chops, dude, the physical acting chops to pull that off. Yeah. He's not just playing a humanoid creature like Thanos. Not taking no. anything away from Josh Brolin, but like... No, not at all. He does great. Smeagol, yeah, Smeagol and Caesar, like, they don't act like human beings. He's not using no. a human being frame of reference whenever he was doing all that motion capture stuff and crawling around on all fours and speaking in this fucked up voice, but still being yeah. emotive and relatable and captivating. Holy yeah. fuck, dude. It's, it's, it's unreal. Especially when you look at the time yeah. context of this, too. I mean, we're talking early 2000s. Yeah, this is like the he like again like there had been motion capture before this, mostly for video, video games, games. But yeah. yeah, but like the concept of like somebody doing like basically you have to recognize how the ping pong balls work. <laughs> like <laughs> you gotta recognize how the motion capture suit works. So like to to be able to do that at the genesis of it like it's 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 ridiculous yeah it would be like the first guitarist just ripping out a riff that somebody came up with recently yeah it's like, like the fucking right the right brothers designed a 747 like holy right. fuck like, what <laughs> how did you see the potential in this so far ahead of the fucking game yeah yeah it's amazing man i i like there's no way to have recognized it back then. Yeah. Like to have recognized exactly what you were seeing because y you look at it back then. I didn't even think about it ever. No, that I didn't even think that just wasn't seen, real. Yeah. We had just seen Jar Jar Binks a couple of years before. That's a great frame of reference. Like yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm watching a fucking cartoon interact with people. And then several yeah. years later, your ass is in the theater watching Smeagol bounce around and you're like, man, that poor fucked up guy. <laughs> yep. That's all you think about. You don't think about how it's, he's not even on set. Like he, this is a tennis ball probably. Yeah. It's, like, it's did nuts. He, I, he performed a lot of his stuff. I think though, he was actually on set. I think to, he did like, some talk. of it. Yeah. 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 As far as I yeah. know. Yeah. I know Sean, Sean Gunn stood in for rocket raccoon. You, normally you don't get the main actor to do it, but <laughs> like, I, I think a lot of it is obvious that like, because I just watched The Frighteners, um, which oh, is Peter yeah? Jackson's movie right before this. I watched it like a month or two ago. Yeah, I, that's one of the things that, w that like made me think I need to watch this was you watching it a, a while ago and like me thinking like, right, this was the movie he did right before Lord of the Rings. Go back, look at it. The eyelines are all fucked up. Oh, it's completely like, shot. It's terrible. Yeah. Anytime Michael J. Fox is talking to the CGI ghosts, he's looking in a completely different direction. Yeah. Like, Peter Jackson had figured that out from seeing the failure of the Frighteners. Not that Frighteners is a failure. It's a fucking awesome That's movie. It's still fun, yeah. But the CGI was a, a failure in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think he learned a lot from that on eyelines and how to make your CGI character fit into the world with the actors. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt, man, you have to be a fucking genius to understand how that technology could work in a way that is understandable and mm -hmm. believable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
He, so, yeah, this, he drew I the mean, blueprint for everything that's come after it, man. He really did. Like, right, yeah. You know, I'll sit here and talk shit all day about the Hobbit movies. I will. They're fucking terrible, <laughs> they're, and I hate them. They but, were cash grabs. And, yeah. And, like, that's been acknowledged that they were cash grabs, and he, he, I don't think he ever envisioned it as three movies. Oh, no. No, not at all, man. That was absolutely a, a studio decision for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, even even if you hate those movies like I do, it does yeah, not bad. take away from the fucking genius that that is these movies and the way that he treated yeah. these things, man. Because, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of like with the Gollum thing, you were talking about how it'd be really easy for it to come out terrible to have this motion yeah. capture suit guy bouncing around like Gollum and stuff. And it's like, really, ultimately, this entire thing, you're talking about having elves and wizards running across the countryside and stuff. It would have been very easy for this all to come out fucking stupid. But look what happens when you take the subject matter seriously and respect the source material and treat it seriously. I mean, it's really ultimately what we ended up seeing with the the entire Marvel franchise of movies, too, where it's like, oh, right. look what happens when somebody takes the source material seriously and respectfully and does it right. Yeah. Oh, what do you I, know? I, it's I, fucking great. I realize there are people who absolutely just dis... <laughs> hate the mcu but you do have to see it as a cinematic achievement oh yeah whether you think the achievement is a positive or a negative it is an achievement to have 20 something movies all carrying on the same single storyline oh yeah yeah like, that doubt. is amazing to have happened and that is this movie <laughs> inadvertently Freddy Krueger is responsible for this. Yeah, <laughs> like, New Line Cinema. This is New Line Cinema, the house that Freddy built, created Lord of the Rings, which made it possible for these like huge franchise developing over large numbers of movies type of of uh, uh, franchises. It's it's amazing that you know. I mean, again, the yeah, the Hobbit failed and. It should have failed when the moment they said it was three movies it was like what how Come on yeah yeah like it's the the smallest book of of all of tolkien's writings it's mm -hmm. the shortest one yep. and you're turning it itself into three movies come on yeah it, it was bad that idea but i mean just the way it, it had an effect on the business outlook of of uh a production company really acquiring a property and doing a a full service to it. Oh like yeah, change really the game. Caring about it. Yep, taking it seriously, yeah. man. Really did change yeah. the game. And you know, on the subject of the design of of Gollum, one thing that I found out while I was kind of researching the movie here for the show is that one of the visual inspirations that they used <laughs> was. Iggy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell too. Yeah, like yeah. after you hear yeah. that, you're like, yes, I can absolutely see that. And yeah. the idea that it kind of spawned in my mind is what if one day they did like a reshoot or even just like a, you know, replacing of Gollum in these movies just with Iggy Pop? <laughs> Not acting as Gollum, Not but just, just acting with, as Iggy Pop. With him as Iggy Pop. <laughs> Like, tell me that wouldn't be fucking incredible. <laughs> like, I, yes. Not I'm, using I'm, the voice, like, just talking like Iggy yeah, Pop. I would, yeah, like, I wish I could do an Iggy Pop impression because I hear it in my head. Yeah, and, and you can seeing, see like, it. We're just going to go this trail, man. Like, 
there is a trail and there is a cave. <laughs> and him just kind of looking dazed and kind of fucked up like he always does. I mean, it just re- give me that movie. Really, like, I can also see just scoring scenes with uh, Smeagol as with the song Now I Want to Be Your Dog. What is that? Yeah, I want to be a dog. Exactly, man. Yeah. That's his theme instead of the da 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 Absolutely. It's, I want to be your dog. It's just that song. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. That's obviously, yeah. That, uh, but yeah, he looks uh, a lot like Iggy Pop. I mean, you know, obviously in a, uh, a very cartoonish way, mm-hmm. uh, Iggy Pop does not look like, like Smeagol, mm-hmm. but he definitely got the, he's got some Definitely there, sure. and I want to see yeah. that remake happen. I want to see that Definitely. going on. I would love to see that. Yeah. I'll tell you what else about Gollum, Steve. Tell me what else. I think this entire dynamic that we have, we kind of have this thruple, right? We got these two hobbits. Yeah. We got the Gollum in this movie. Yeah, we got They're hanging about out them. all the time and stuff throughout this whole uh-huh. thing. I think the real dynamic that we're wrestling with here and the real culture clash that we're seeing is between people that have traditional diets and people that eat paleo. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it clear is. that Gollum right. is all about that yeah. ketosis. Am I right? He is. He's he clearly. He likes on regularly, man. He don't even fuck around with cooking. No, That's he does That's how primitive he is. He yeah. likes proteins exclusively. And then yeah. meanwhile, what are the hobbits eating the whole time? Bread. Bread. Potatoes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gollum. I mean, look at the guy. Okay. Not not to be, I'm not trying to shame anybody's body type or anything like that. Compare <laughs> Sam. But Gollum is peak man. I mean, look, right? <laughs> okay? Like, look at Sam and his body yeah. type. Look at Gollum, who just eats fucking wiggly fish and conies. Look at their body types. <laughs> I think that I, Peter Jackson was trying to tell us something here. Well, I think what he was trying to tell us is that... Uh, Apparently, if you store up enough carbs, no matter how long it's been since you've eaten, you can pick your friend up and carry him into Mount Doom. So He does do that. There's no way yeah. you could do that if you're just running off of squiggly fish. Yeah. So I think his, I think his, like, in two towers, it seems like maybe he's like, yeah, keto's the way to go. Look at all the but weight then, he lost. Yeah, but then Return of the King, he's like, Hmm, that lost weight doesn't help you so much when you're trying to pick your friend up, now does it? That's exactly right. I'm pretty sure that 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 is the message. I think it is a very (laughs) pro-carb series of of movies. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. (laughs) I mean, they're bad guys, clearly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. The people who are into keto are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) That's right. I mean, Gollum is skinny, sure, but at what cost? At what God, that's the question the movie really has. It's the central question of the movie. Uh-huh. Is at what cost? Yep. Yep. Sure, <laughs> you'll get skinny, but is it worth yeah. it? That's the is message of these it? movies. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, love it. I got to wonder, too, though. Those hobbits, right? Mm-hmm. They out there, they travel around, they're eating that Lambus bread. Oh, they love it. You or get, don't. You I get don't a bite of that <laughs> stuff, it is like a whole day's worth of food, right? Sure. What's your shit like after you eat that? <laughs> Dense. Is it is it a dense. normal is it a normal shit or is it like really small but super dense? 
Yeah, like I, I think it's one of those that you, when it falls off your butt, you hear poop. Like just yeah. a, a thunderous kind of thud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. gotta wonder, think, right? Yeah, I think elf shits are loud. Is my point. <laughs> The most elegant, <laughs> intelligent, noble race of creatures in all of Middle-earth. You gotta wonder. Yeah, you do. It's natural to wonder these things. So, all right. So, let's talk about, though, the, the those three real quick. I, I think, you know, uh, a traditional, maybe psychoanalytic... Uh, analysis of them is that they represent the ego the super ego and the id p.s this is why people listen to this fucking show is because we just talked about the kind of shit you take after eating lambus bread and now we're talking about I'm the like, super ego freud yeah but freud <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is our brand yeah <laughs> pretty sure yeah so uh, yeah i um I, I guess i should talk through that just real quick but I I want to move beyond it because I think psychoanalysis is kind of shit. Uh oh. What are you, a Scientologist, it, Steve? Yeah. Well, no, I I'm all about psychiatry. You're Scientology, yes. Steve. <laughs> it's me, Scientology, Steve. <laughs> a Hail Zeno or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Um. Who's the Scientology? Go, Lizzie Motts. Oh, okay. She's, yeah. She's our girl. Um. So, the ego, superego, and the id basically would be that uh, 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 Smeagol is the id. Sure. He's this representation of our base desires and, and all of that. Then you got the, the superego, who is um, uh, Sam, who is uh, the internalized uh, societal voice that tells us you can't do those things. And then you got the ego, which is Frodo. He's the the distillation of those two things. He he represents the his base desires and clash with societal norms. Yeah, that's a fun little way to look at it, and it definitely is. exactly what uh, Tolkien would have been going for because Freud was popular uh, around his time. Yeah, definitely the way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. And beyond that, you can then see how he breaks down that the id is, in in fact, in conflict with itself. Because the id can want murder and violence. Self-destructive things. Absolutely. But it can also want to be nice and pleasant. Because yeah. those things bring us uh, uh, companionship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really displayed, he, especially, too, during those scenes where... Gollum has those, uh, you know, multiple personality conversations with himself. Uh, there's yes. that, that one long monologue that he has where he's kind of on the left side of the screen, the right side of the screen. Yes. Having the conversation with the good side and the bad side of himself. Yeah. And that, that this is wonderful. It is a great exploration of Freud's theory and really, really can, uh, like, you can overlay that on a lot of stories and it works mm -hmm. because people are, are reading Freud and being like, Oh, that's a cool idea. And that works for me. A rich white man. <laughs> Freud's theories work. If you're a rich white man, the end. Okay. Beyond that yeah. psychoanalysis doesn't work. 
you know, when you put it that way, it does kind of put it into yeah. some uh, perspective there, doesn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> your ego as a white man is a choice. Yeah. Uh, any other any other person does not get that choice on the same level. Yeah, if you're just literally struggling to survive, that's kind of a right. different story entirely. Yeah. When the hmm. superego is the dominant voice, when it's it is uh, when society is making all your choices, when you don't get the opportunities, psychoanalysis fails. Right. So it, it is definitely what Tolkien was going for, I think, and it is a good thing to explore if you're really trying to get into the depths of what Tolkien was going for. But it all it also like leaves out all other perspectives, which is another. Uh, it, I, I said earlier I was going to get back to the orcs and how fuck the orcs. Um, <laughs> another problem that exists in Tolkien's universe is uh, definitely it, it is uh, subscribing to the theories of racial racial essentialism. Okay, that's that something I was, I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah like we, we mentioned that a little bit on the first episode, that these are just very, very white movies. I mean, there's there's not exactly yeah, a lot of absolutely. people of color in these yep. in these flicks. And it's like, <laughs> zero. As, as, we, as we said, zero people of color. You, can, you can argue they were staying true to the source material. You can argue nothing in the source material said that none of these characters weren't black or Asian or, or anything. Yeah. Like, you could argue it really either way. Yeah, you could. You could. There, There's no reason that these have to be only white. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Though, the descriptions of the elves, they're white. Definitely like, white. It's all about their fairness. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their blondness. Um, yeah, they are the, the uh, Aryan ideal. For and sure. That is... This is... Like, these are written... Like in that time or the, these are theories that are being talked about and discussed social darwinism uh, uh, eugenics, eugenics etc yeah. eugenics conversations were normal among uh social elite uh, yeah yeah the social elite aka rich white people yeah at that time it what was real know? common we're on top yeah. of robert blah, 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 blah. yeah like <laughs> yeah <laughs> looks like that old Darwin was correct regarding scientific things must uh, then work culturally, right? <laughs> right? Uh. I'm not bad for killing people for rubber or whatever. <laughs> for rubber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that did happen. Anyway, though. so... All right, so... The orcs. They are black. Yes. Uh, or blue or green. Like, they're basically what every racist is referring to when they're like, I don't care if you're black, brown, purple, or what. Yeah. Like... They're definitely they're, not white, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's what they're supposed to be, is definitely not white. <laughs> Anything but white. Yeah. And that is, that is what they represent, is, like, we we never get a concept of their culture, of, of like who they are as a people or whatever. They're just warlike they beings. They're warlike and they are enslaved by Saruman the, the white. white. Oh God. I didn't think about it that yeah. way. That sounds yeah. real, real bad when you put it that way, Steve. Right. It Ooh. does. It does. So uh, that that is at the base of it. 
it's at the root of it. it again i don't peter jackson's not infusing those things peter jackson's doing his best to make this uh present well in a time where hopefully people aren't that way now we we realize this is 2002 when people are like i'm pretty sure racists don't exist anymore right <laughs> it's over we yeah but no they do there are a ton of them ton of them but you know it's uh, like I, I could also sit here and say maybe the fact that he made the bad guys the one enslaving the non-white folk maybe right. that's a statement in itself I don't maybe, know. Maybe, I, again, I don't maybe. know that much about Tolkien. I don't know. Again, yeah. So I want to believe uh, the best, but yeah. rich old white guy in these <laughs> times, it's kind of hard to believe the best. Yeah. Wh- why believe the best? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like why? <laughs> so uh, it will get way more into that in Return of the King. We'll talk Tolkien. We'll do all that after I've read the books and really gotten into it. This is one of those things that like I've put off forever and really we do we're doing these episodes for fun and it was like oh that seems like such a chore but now i feel like i kind of have to yeah because for return of the king we're gonna have to talk about some tougher subjects and i i think this so all right i think this isn't and is tolkien's fault like fantasy and sci-fi both fall back on racial essentialism pretty regularly like it is it is the the concept that a planet is full of people who all agree on so many things is so outlandish and ridiculous Mm -hmm. that how how is it still regularly portrayed in fantasy and sci-fi like oh we're going to a planet turns out on this planet they all are this way right yeah and it's like what what planet do, like they're always they're always like forgetting earth exists like <laughs> forgetting countries exist forgetting that in neighborhoods people disagree on everything like oh yeah it it's it's like we got the entire fucking south and the states and we can't even agree on fucking barbecue exactly Right? Like, like in South Carolina, they're making mustard barbecue. And by the way, it's fucking delicious. I'm, I'm from Memphis barbecue territory. And I, I cannot agree that one is better than the other. Best but barbecue I've people, had, St. Louis. Can't lie. It's really fucking good. Oh, I, I've God. had some amazing barbecue in Texas. I've had oh, some amazing yeah, barbecue all over the place. Mm-hmm. I eat really good barbecue at Bloodsoe's in uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Or so, Sweet Peas in Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, there you go. Anyway, my, my, my point is, nobody can agree on anything, and like it's like when you you create these races, I, Tolkien did so much for this. He did so much that it is ridiculous of me to say, why didn't you do a little more? But, <laughs> why didn't you do a little more? And like really recognize that there would be actual problems among the ranks of these orcs beyond just we haven't had anything to eat but maggoty bread all week like Mm -hmm. there would be like why the fuck are we doing this like there are more (laughs) of us than him yeah yeah he's just in a tower we can get in there yeah the one white guy in the tower like why are we fucking listening to this guy 
Yeah, like, because, like, the, the, what it kind of presents, and again, I'm stretching probably because I haven't read the books, but what it kind of presents is the concept that within slavery, people were held down by their own, like, inability to, con like, conceptualize freedom. Right, Where, yeah. in fact all of society was set up for them to never escape slavery. Right. Well, it, seems, that like, it seems like that's the case of the Urukai. I mean, the Urukai are born into slavery to Sour Man. Sour Man, yeah, but, like, they're bigger than him. Like, the second yeah, they come they out, can they can break his, his neck. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, fucking, yes. End it. And that is, that's what I'm saying, is that, like, the, the concept then is that they are too, they're incapable of doing that mm -hmm. somehow. And that's like some sort of fucked up explanation of slavery that overlooks the reality of all of society was set up to maintain that. Right. It's one of those like, things that when, when you say it this way, you know, as much as I love these movies and as much as I love the source material, you know, there's part of me that wants to think better of that. But at the same yeah, time, me too. I'm I love it. I'm being very realistic where I'm looking at his place in the world that he was born into and thinking that like yeah, that's kind of, that would be kind of a natural line of thought for him. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a it's endemic in fantasy and in in sci-fi from that time. It's just going to be that racism is part of it. And that's what Lovecraft Country explores a lot. That oh, the yeah. show that we we've done a, a Patreon exclusive episode on, um, Lovecraft Country explores that a good bit. That, that racism is like just a part of that that literature of the time, and, and some of those things like linger because they're traditional, and like the the writers now maybe don't have that same perspective. But it's like a trope of the genre. Hmm. Like right. I, I think, yeah, I think specifically about that Will Smith movie that came out uh, like a couple of years ago, the Netflix movie. What fuck was it called? Where it was like there oh, were it was orcs like the, and the orcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I I remember I, I watched it and I said on the show I'd I'd watch more of that. Like I didn't love it, but if they made another one, I'd watch it. Like I I, I think it's just a desire for fantasy but it, it it fell into that trap of just like i mean it was exploring racism through that in some way but it was still basically just like racial essentialism so it, it's just a problem with fantasy and sci-fi at times which is why again people love star trek if you go back and watch like star trek uh star trek next generation any any of those shows and see, like, yes, they still have that problem of, like, yeah, all the Vulcans are one way, and, like, there's still that problem. They, what they tend to explore in Star Trek is the, like, the person in that culture who is different. Mm -hmm. Like, the person who is, like, turns out not everybody is that way. Like... That is, that's a more interesting exploration in fantasy and sci-fi. And, and, and actually, there's a ton of good fantasy and sci-fi that does that. I'm not saying it's it's a problem with all fantasy and sci-fi. It just, it's still there with some of it and with some popular stuff. Gotcha. It makes sense, man. And 
You know, on the subject of, of these stories and how they are primarily all about, like, white dudes doing stuff and saving the day, mm-hmm. uh, which they are. I mean, inarguably, yeah. they absolutely are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the women in these stories, because yeah. while the women aren't necessarily main characters in these stories, yeah. whether that be Arwen or Eowyn or any of those, none of them are on the <laughs> Pretty quest. Pretty much the same name. Yeah, Just kind like, of the same name. Anyway. <laughs> but at the same time, the women in these stories, and we're starting to get more of a taste of it in this one than we did in, in the first one, are fucking badasses. And we yeah, see and that, even more of that in the third one. It's like, what yeah. I like about these stories, man, is especially considering the time period they were written in and fantasy leading up to this point and stuff like that. There's no damsels in this story, in this entire trilogy of stories. Like name, no. name no. a helpless damsel trapped in a tower needing to be saved by a yeah. man. Like, are there women in this that are interested in romantic relationships with men? Yeah, absolutely. That's, Oh yeah. That's and also that is normal. Their driving that's force mostly, but it's, it, but they also kick Here, ass and can defend their do. own and, a lot of times. Here's the thing. It, again, I haven't read the books, but I've read about the differences between the books and the, the movies. I, I think a lot of the the kick-assness of some of the characters, Arwen and Eowyn particularly, maybe, it comes from Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, the, the screenwriters, Man. other than Stephen Sinclair and Peter Jackson. Fran Walsh, the secret weapon of these fucking yeah, movies, of, dude. The absolute hero. Absolutely. So in the books, as far as I understand, Arwen actually has a very limited role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, she, she was pumped up for the movies, and I'm glad for it. Me too, yeah. I, I think that, uh, like, Galadriel is obviously just a badass, but she's representative of a goddess. Like, she is, she's representative of culturally, like, the ideal uh, feminine power, where yeah. she... She has a ton of power, but she, uh, I, I guess, is polite about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the ideal feminine power in the early 20th century. But uh, but Eowyn ends up representing, like, badass woman. Like, she, she not only knows how to fight, but recognizes it's, it's an essential quality for all people to have. Yeah. He's knowing how to defend yourself knowing how to protect yourself because the the army can't be the men can't be there they like there are times where you have to protect yourself and beyond that when you want to protect your loved ones you want to be on the front line you want to be the one actually there making sure your loved ones are safe yeah she she doesn't really understand she's like why do i have to stand back here with like the children and the super old people she's like i want to be out there right yes and that uh, gets realized of course in return of the king with her and and mary which is like just some of the best shit it's like it, it like the I am no man line, like in Return of the King, you can look back on it and say it's cheesy, but it's fucking not. It's fucking it awesome. Nailed it. Fuck yeah. Just nailed it in that moment. Just because it was 2003. This wasn't, as we said earlier, Black Christmas trying to cash in basically on a Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Like 
it is it is absolutely just this is a badass oh like, yeah and she she's showing it throughout this though most of i mean and this has to be a part of the the books i would assume that she just has this uh absolute thirst like fucking dick hydration for uh <laughs> aragorn's 87 year old dick man like, she wants every, that old stuff dude every time he's around or he is mentioned she's like where are you at what where what is there I'll dick? tell you what. Where is dick? About fucking <laughs> Aragorn's 87-year-old dick. Man. Yeah. He's old enough to know what he's doing with it, but young enough <laughs> to still want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame her? Total hunk. I, I mean, I get it. I, like, honestly, like, can, can you imagine? <laughs> P.S. Somebody who's- This is two episodes about these movies where we've talked about Viggo Mortensen's dick. We already talked about his dick in the first one extensively. Well, number three will be next time. Yeah. <laughs> Just accept the it. Dude, he's a swinging dick. Yeah. Like, the guy walks in, the moment you see him walk in after, like, the, uh, like, supposed death, which, again, is not in the books it's invented for the movies yeah. just to add some tension p.s the, like the he, fake deaths like, in this movie completely yeah. unnecessary come on dude you, you no, yeah knew that, that could be cut we didn't need that no but the him just like fucking pushing the doors open slow-mo walking in like oh, i goddamn own this shit and like, gimli is so happy to see him <laughs> yes. it's so sweet uh, by the way that that is something that these movies uh present that has been burned out of us and needs to be brought back. But the the idea of men just like loving each other, no doubt, and caring. Yeah. Why, why is this? Why is this a problem, dude? Like, why are real. people like, oh, I can't, I can't care that my friend is uh, having trouble or whatever. Like, yeah. what the fuck have I we done? Dare let my friends know that I really care about them. Like, what yeah. the fuck is the matter with you, Steve? I fucking love you, man. I care about you. Yeah. I love you too, brother. See, that's it's, not so fucking hard. It's not hard at all. The thing is that the, these movies are presenting us with these relationships and so many people just jokingly all the fucking time are like, Frodo and Sam are gay. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. They're not at all. This like, movie doesn't is, doesn't try to hide any of that at all. As no. far as, like you said, like these these male characters really caring about each other and not just being like, oh, you're alive, huh? That's sick. Uh, oh, cool, bro. That's cool. cool. Whatever. I thought you were dead, but turns out you're not. So. Huh. That's pretty neat. Uh, wow. Huh. I'm disaffected with uh, your existence. Yeah. So that's cool, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. And we need more of that. We need more fucking, uh, uh, you know, Gimli. Uh, what was it? Uh, no, uh, Legolas. When uh, they meet the riders of Rohan and they're, you know, fucking pointing their spears at Gimli and Legolas is like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, dude. Fucking standing up for his little buddy. Yeah, I mean that that I their think it relationship is a treasure in this movie. Yeah, I think it like there's nothing more because like it doesn't go into it enough in the movies, but from reading what I've read about the books, the the enmity between dwarves and elves is huge. Oh yeah, they hate each other. They do. The fact that Galadriel gave Gimli three hairs is like deep as fuck. Oh yeah, like there's so much lore to it. 
And the fact that, yeah, the fact that uh, Legolas will stand up for him. Like, what? They're, they haven't gone through everything yet. Like, yeah. there's so much more to go, and he's already that dedicated. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, totally. And that's absolutely okay and should be fucking normal. Yeah, we should just stop with this, like, uh, first off, it's homophobia is all it is. Oh, yeah. You're not you're not pointing out that two characters should fuck lovingly. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not saying, like, oh, no, I think you guys would be good together. You're doing it because two men are having uh, an intimate friendship. Yeah. And you want that to be bad for some reason. Like, you want gayness to be a negative that you then apply to these men and make their relationship negative in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's just wrong in all ways is what I'm saying. The, the jokes over. are, yeah, the jokes are like, they're tired. They're played out and they're not even funny because all you're doing is being homophobic. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, man. You know, on the subject of Eowyn, she Let's is a, she's a fucking badass. She's awesome, especially when we see it more in the next movie, as you said. But I am eternally disturbed by whatever that lump of stew she serves Aragorn is. <laughs> what is that thing? What the fuck for is some, that? Some, like, some craft reason, guy made that, and, like, somebody kept turning like, it back, being like, grosser, make it grosser. Put a vein in yeah, it. Yeah, make it grosser. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a dumpling, <laughs> sir. I don't care. Put a vein in the dumpling. What the fuck is that thing she serves For some reason, all I can think of is it's a piece of the baby from Blue Velvet. Or not Blue Velvet, <laughs> Eraserhead. It's Eraserhead baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's Eraserhead. Sure right. ba- it's like a chunk of Eraserhead baby. That's the That's only thing that I makes can imagine. sense, man. I don't know what it, it is, but it's so fascinating and disturbing <laughs> to me. It's just gross looking. Yeah. I like <laughs> Like, when it's in his mouth, it's like... All I can think about is what does that feel like? Because it looks it soft. Looks it looks go- soft. It looks goopy and soft, but still but tough it's also and like, sinewy. Yes. How? <laughs> what is that? I want to know the story behind that. Like, if there's a Lord of the Rings appendix that I've not watched yet, that's all about the making of the stew, <laughs> and it's like they have an onset <laughs> stew master that slaved for fucking, you know. Fucking 40 weeks trying to create the most disturbing <laughs> dumpling. I want to watch that because I would absolutely I zoom in on that and get into it. I want to meet a stew master. Stew master. Nobody out there, nobody out there is embracing the stew. It's true. <laughs> Maybe we got some listeners that are stew masters. I don't know. I really need to know. I Because I want to know. I want to know. Like, how? Okay, how? Stew, <laughs> stew is fine. It's never, it's never amazing. No. It's always just like, eh. It works. It works, man. You know, on the subject of, uh, of like, uh, of this movie, you were just talking about those relationships and stuff like this uh, between the male characters. And I find that that is a defining feature of this movie as opposed to the first one. It's like, whereas the first one, Uh with it being the Fellowship of the Ring, it is about the group dynamic. And then, of course, at the end of that movie the fellowship is kind of disbanded into a couple of small groups. And this movie really studies the dynamics of those, you know, small relationships as opposed to the group dynamic. Um, We get Mary and Pippin on their little journey. We get the two hobbits and Gollum Mm -hmm. on their thing. Uh, Legolas and Gimli have their, their little dynamic there. 
it's like this movie is really all about small dynamics, which works it really is. well because yeah. we were introduced to all these characters in the first movie and got to know how they interacted with all of each other there. They went through some experiences and some battles and hardships and stuff like that. And then they split off and we get to find out more about their characters when they're not in that group. It's actually, when you think about it, very similar to what Marvel did with Avengers 1 versus 2. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of lessons were learned from Lord of the Rings For sure. that have benefited all of us. Or not all of us. Again, a lot of people hate the MCU. Fuck but them. a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> P.S. Dude, I, 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 by the way. Marvel made their announcements about the next fucking wave uh, of stuff. An animated so what excited. if series? Did we not fucking yes. pitch this on Dead and Lovely? Yeah, I think we did. I I'm think we so talked stoked. about exactly that. Uh, I'm super stoked for the Gardens of the, of the Galaxy holiday movie. Fuck. <laughs> yes. I'm assuming it's going to be just a take on the Star Wars it holiday has to be. special. It has yeah. to be, dude. Yeah, and, and I really hope they like have like just random singing and all that shit little cute I, I characters that. floating around everywhere oh my and god and porn for some reason yeah the star wars holiday special is weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah the group are the uh the, the like two people dying like it keeps playing out not just in like the the major ones you said but like say arwen or um aragorn aragorn and eowyn yeah um with uh, Grima and uh, uh, Theoden King. Mm -hmm, yep. Uh, with all sorts of just different... Small like, groups, yeah. Small dynamics playing out throughout the movie. I I mean, I think it's, it's genius because in a way, you've already explored the characters in the first. Like, you've explored the Fellowship. We know that... Uh, Legolas and Gimli are just uh, uh, tirelessly going to work for the Fellowship. The best. Th dude. That's it. They're the best. Those they two just care about. Yeah. Name a more iconic fantasy couple than Gimli no, and fucking exactly. Legolas, dude. They're the, the, the way best. that, like you said, th there's this whole kind of like dynamic between those are two you know races that are supposed to traditionally dislike each other. You got the the tall skinny guy, the short stocky guy. It's a classic you know, good cop, bad cop scenario. Right, they're, yeah. They're also <laughs> both, like, kind of comedic devices, willingly and right. unwillingly. Yes, you know, exactly. Like, uh, uh, Legolas is, like, often uh, funny without thinking that he's going to be. Like dry, like, dry funny or, like, straight man funny. Yeah, yeah, straight man funny. Exactly, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And then Gimli is the more overt comedic device. But then also, yes. at the end of the day... Both of those fucking characters are killing machines. Like, yes. unstoppable <laughs> fucking murder factories, dude. And they yes. get their, their kill count going on. Uh -huh. It's a treasure. It is. For, it's a 42 to 43 at the end. And then, of course, Legolas shoots the guy he's already sitting on who's only twitching because... Gimli's axe is in his nervous system. Embedded it's in his nervous system. It's just such a wonderful like friendship yep. rivalry thing like it just exactly what the movie needs because everything else is serious gravity it, it's it's them and pip and mary that are our like outlets and i'll tell you they, too man like the comedic elements in this movie 
I think are so fucking well placed where Yeah, and this is Peter Jackson. This is yeah, all Peter Jackson. He knows yeah. silly. He can do silly when he wants to, but it never Absolutely. gets over the top. Like I felt like there's a lot of elements in the Hobbit movies where it was just like, Okay, it's fucking silly, we get it. But in this there's such great moments of I think relatable, like gallows humor kind of shit. Like even whenever yeah. Legolas and Gimli are standing up on the wall, right as all the orcs <laughs> are approaching and stuff, and he's like Tell me what's happening. And Legolas is, Legolas is like, do you want me to get a fucking phone book you can stand on or whatever? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and then Gimli turns to him and just laughs. Like, that's exactly yeah. the way that, like, you know, tight friends just kind of, like, fucking jab at each other and then laugh yeah. about it. Yeah, because it's not it's not intended as, like, a, a jab. It's intended as a joke because you know the person so well. Yeah. Like, it, it, like... It's it's what roasts the Comedy Central roasts have left behind, but what roasts used to be. Like mm-hmm. the idea was like we're we're gonna all sit around and make jokes about how close we are with each other. Yeah. Rather than like I mean, just look at the Justin Bieber roast or whatever, where it's just like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> wow. I hate you. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not, that's not a roast. We're, this is this is a, a basically an execution. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The way yeah, that those that, two characters it, play with each other is is so fun because it's like they're jabbing at each other's flaws, but at the same time they have nothing but respect for each other. It's like yeah, Gimli's fucking short, but Legolas also knows he's gonna go out there and fucking murder a hundred fucking orcs. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that that's I mean the thing is that like. Put these characters in Afghanistan, they're they're the worst. Fuck them. Like, these two in Afghanistan, it's like, oh, no, what? Why are you counting kills? Like, why why are you so happy to do this? Mm -hmm. But the villains in this are so clear. Like, the idea of this is, like... And the, the the message, the theme really behind this is what if, what if you were fighting against such a clear evil? Absolute evil, yeah. Yeah, where it's like there's no question. Uh, there's no There's no reasoning. There's no fixing it. It is pure evil that wants to destroy everything. Then you can have and some fun is, with it, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, then you can be like, no, ho, like uh, I killed two thousand of them. Here are all their ears. That's fine. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yes, that's good. Less Though funny in Vietnam. Ex- yes, exactly. Though that was explored well in the Walking Dead comic and show of basically the governor seeing the the uh the undead is these like very clear and obvious enemies and like cutting off their head like still moving heads and keeping them in aquariums Woo. in his house to just as like trophies of like fuck these things and that being a gross thing a thing that you see and be like oh oh no like That's fucked up. you could very yeah you could very much see Gimli and Legolas as fucked up but I think the movie does such a good job of presenting this as a clear evil that yeah. nobody can side with. It's okay to play around with it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And another dynamic relationship that we explore in this movie is, of course, of a of a new character, Grima Wormtongue. Oh, man. And his relationships with the king and also with old Sour Man. 
up there in the old sour tower. In the sour tower, just hanging out. <laughs> AKA the Tower of Sour. That's right. <laughs> so Grima, dude, played by motherfucking Brad Dorif. I didn't realize that that was Brad Dorif until I'm thinking a minimum of 10 years after this movie came out. I know you you said this about the Halloween movies too, like how yeah. he's just so like able to blend in. Mm-hmm. Like but like how does he do it where he blends in but he's also like every character he plays is a strong character. Yeah, it's iconic. Like he's he's very much yeah. like Gary Oldman in that way where it's like right. there is no real Gary Oldman, but every no, character he plays is strong and definitive. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like he he um throughout this is you know he's able to pull off that duplicitous slimy gross feel Mm -hmm. but like okay so specifically i'm thinking of the tear the moment oh yeah the army amassed and drops a tear one not in the books that's just something that brad dorf can do yeah he can cry on command yeah, so he did it for that scene, and it adds such an unhinged quality to his character. For real, that right? That he sees this and is so inspired by it, it moves him to tears. Yeah, that's what's scary about it, right? Like, it would be one level of freaky if you looked out at this army and was just like, yes, 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 this will destroy humanity. Yeah, but the <laughs> fact that he is emotionally moved literally to the point of yeah. tears makes yes. it, I think, scarier. Like, the fact that you By are far. able to handle yeah. that range of emotion, but completely in the wrong direction. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's frightening. He is... He is um, He's genuinely one of the best characters in the movie. It's fucking awesome. Barely does anything. Like he's barely in the movie, but he he's so like magnetic. Yeah, there's he is. also by the way, uh so did you know this? I did not realize this. Billy Boyd is the voice of Glenn, the seed of Chucky. The the child of what yeah so like chucky is in this movie and billy boyd then later becomes his uh, pu- uh doll son what? yeah that's, that's fucked so up i didn't know that yeah how funny is that man yeah grima's whole power in this movie is the power of fake news like whenever i see him wh- yes. whispering shit into the king's ear I'm like, man, god damn it, this is what fucking Breitbart and Fox News and shit is doing to our fucking yeah. parents and grandparents and shit. Like, he is fake news, dude. Yeah, absolutely. It's the worst. Like, he he's he's uh spinning and twisting and changing. It's 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 everything you hate to see. Mm-hmm. And he looks like the but- singer of him. <laughs> he does. He really does. <laughs> With no eyebrows, dude. Like, I didn't realize that he had actually shaved his eyebrows off for this. And apparently, you know, he was called back for reshoots and stuff like that several times. So that poor oh, fucking man. guy had, had to, to keep shaving his yeah, eyebrows off for like fucking half a year, apparently. I wonder if he drew him back on. That would be fun. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'd be all right with that. I think that's Just cool. Just draw the huge, like, arch. Where it always looks like you're surprised. <laughs> Whoa! 
Dude, imagine that though. Like you're wandering around some big city or whatever, and you're like, I met Brad Dorf today, and he had these fucking crazy drawn on eyebrows. It was weird. <laughs> that guy is nuts. The lipstick didn't match. <laughs> yeah, it made it really odd. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, Steve. I was thinking about it this time around. About Grima and his place in the okay. in the kingdom of Rohan, right? Right. And I was thinking about this and I was like, you know what? I can kind of sympathize with this guy a little bit because okay. just imagine yourself, Grima right. Wormtongue, you're sent on uh-huh. a mission. You get deployed by Sour Man, or no, Sour, oh, Sour Ron. Man. Sorry, right. you get deployed by oh. Sour Ron. Oh, right, Sour Ron sent you out, right. Mm-hmm. In service of Sour Man. And it's like, <laughs> all right, you're going to go to this Rohan place. You're going to uh, give fake news to the king. You're going to ruin this whole kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Right? You're going to give fake news yeah. to the king. Yeah. <laughs> Those are his words, not mine. Right. You get there looking uh-huh. like Grima, and you're hanging around the likes of like fucking Carl Urban. Yeah. And only fucking six foot Miranda five. Miranda Otto walking around yeah. looking at. Uh, yeah. yeah. These they, fucking yeah. jacked ass, like blonde linebacker dudes are like, oh. Oh, hey, hey, Theodore, uh, I just got back from fucking slaying a wild boar on my steed. <laughs> what did you do today, huh? Tell me about it, Theodore. Huh? Right. And then meanwhile, you look like the singer of fucking him or Severus Snape or something, and you're like, yeah. I, I listened to the new Morrissey album today. <laughs> and these fucking blonde horsemen are like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for the guy. It's like, dude, you got assigned to the wrong fucking place. But like <laughs> the the insane um the insane like truth of Grima is that he is just what you said. Like he's a Fox News incel. Like, yeah. Oh, total incel, yeah. Like he is all of that. The fact that that character has existed for a long time is sad that mm-hmm. we still haven't still haven't been able to teach men like hey bro it's like okay if somebody doesn't want to fuck you and like <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't get obsessed with your height and the size of your dick and facial proportions mm, just yeah. relax just <laughs> relax people do want to fuck you it's fine yeah just not that person <laughs> there's somebody just else find out there. The, the chick who's into morrissey yeah. like come on grima uh-huh. you don't have to get this uh, chick who's way out of his league yeah she's not interested just move on <laughs> yeah exactly man other fish you don't gotta the fake sea. news the king to try to steal his niece it ain't happening it ain't happening man <laughs> How about those horse boys, man? Are horse boys, the horse boys. cooler horse than boys. horse girls? I don't know. They, I I mean, culturally, for sure, it seems that a horse boy is a cowboy, right? It's like, oh, he's cool. You know what? He, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cowboys are just yeah. horse boy. Yeah, and uh, horse girl, it's like, oh, she's Ooh, obsessive she's with her horse. It's so weird. It's mm. like if a cowboy is like, uh, only friend I got's my horse. Old, old gunpowder like, and I've wow. been through a lot. Blip, blip, yeah, blip. people are like, wow, that's, boy, the, the relationship is deep. 
He if probably doesn't like, fuck that horse. Am I he right? He probably doesn't. If a woman's like, uh, the only friend I have is my horse, everybody's like, Catherine the Great. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> Got it. You're fucking your horse. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is a weird dichotomy, but it's true that that's how people look at it. That is reason. true. Hmm. I thought about that way. Yeah. Rohan is, of course, a huge part of this movie. And this is, again, one of those world building elements of the the expansion of the the journey that they're on to destroy the ring and stuff you run yeah. into these other cultures that have this completely different sense of design and aesthetic and architecture and culture and the the rohan people very very heavily borrow from you know scandinavian and celtic yeah design mythos i guess yeah the um anybody who's played skyrim um recognizes immediately the influence that this movie had on, Not on the game. Not it. <laughs> yeah. But like it, it is so yeah, it's going for that Nordic like the the wooden churches and the, what are they stave churches stave or churches, what they're called? Yeah. yeah. That's roof cottages. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's going for that feel and that sort of aesthetic and that sort of culture. Yeah. And dude, this is yet another one of those areas where you know, the introduction of this new culture brings in the introduction of a new element of the fucking soundtrack. Now, whether you like these movies or not, I understand, like, you know, fantasy stuff isn't for everybody. A lot of people don't like this shit. I get it. It's just, oh, it's fucking people walking around. I get it. It is indisputable. Like, to me, it's like, it's not even up for debate. It is a fact that the soundtrack to these movies is one of the greatest in movie history. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, you don't you you can hate this movie all you want. If you hate the soundtrack, you just hate humanity. You're wrong. Like, what is yeah, wrong just, with you're you? You're wrong, yeah. dude. <laughs> the amount of thought that was put into the fact that, like, okay, these are people that have these, like you said, thatch roof cottages and stave churches and stuff. The instrumentation of their music should be wood instruments and string instruments, right. like traditional Celtic instruments, like the violin and stuff like that. Yeah, it's. Okay, again, it's one of those elements that would have been really easy to overdo, I think. Oh, it would for be sure. really easy to make that corny and be like, oh, they have fucking Irish jigs in their culture, heidly diddly. <laughs> like, it would have been easy to overdo it. But it yeah. is just fucking flawless, man. The Rohan music is beautiful. And I feel like that's really one of the high points of this entire movie, is it really shows you how much the soundtrack elevates the movie and your sense of these cultures and of these races of people. I think that it, uh, it, it has as much attention to detail as what Tolkien put into the languages and stuff like that when he wrote the books. Yeah. yeah. He, he definitely like, like that, that is something he obviously seemed to recognize is that the more detail you get about a culture, the more you can empathize. Yeah, and the and, and less, music is the a less critical detail. And that music, it really draws you into a culture. So, like, yeah, like, you, you can very easily, like, associate certain musics with certain cultures. I mean, you know, obviously, all cultures are creating different types of music. But you can easily associate certain music with certain cultures, and it can sort of get you into that mindset of understanding. Yeah. And that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what the music does in this. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when you hear that music of a culture, you're not just hearing, you know, a snapshot of what they like to listen to. You're hearing a snapshot of the 
available natural resources they have around them to create exactly. instruments out yeah. of. Yeah. You know? And that desire to make music despite all things, like despite everything against humanity, that desire to make music is a like in every culture. Yeah, exactly. With so whatever strange. they have available, you know? So like when you hear yeah. the music of of the orcs and the Urukai, it is these war drums yeah. and timpanis and stuff like this. And mm-hmm. then, like I said, the, the music of Rohan is wooden instruments and so on. Like it's it's just absolutely amazing the level of thought that they put into the soundtrack in this. I, I think it's, again, it's just indisputable. This is one of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. And I feel like yeah. it really shines at several points in this movie, especially like towards the end there where Sam is kind of like giving that speech about like not really giving up hope and shit like that. Man, yeah, the soundtrack uh-huh. behind that scene is just fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Man. Absolutely amazing. And it's got like a little taste of the Shire behind him whenever he's talking yeah. about that stuff too even though yeah. he's on the other side of the world and shit god damn dude i can't say enough about it it's perfect yeah yeah i i think that um like it's been in my head for two months i think just different tunes from lord of the rings like there's this anticipation that's starting to build for me for watching lord of the rings totally. in december yep me like too. just my brain just starts going at that time. Like it, it really does do an amazing job of not only like working you into the scenes and the people and the cultures, but just like being an earworm, being something that sticks in your head. Yep. Absolutely yeah, agree, great. man. Couldn't it really couldn't be better. Like we can sit here and critique, you know, special effects and stuff like that, but I think the music in this movie is is absolutely timeless. I think that it's yeah, one of those things yeah. that will never need to be updated or revised in any possible yeah. way. I, I can't yeah, imagine it may, being better. It may even survive like its its connection to the movie, that type of thing where people listen to it a hundred years from now and they're just like, Oh, this was amazing. Like you don't recognize the thing it's connected to, but right. it really still connects. Like I I, I yeah, as you said, the special effects still hold up. I think mostly. so strongly, mostly. mostly. Yeah. And it, most of the scenes that I would say are a little janky are in the extended edition, in scenes that aren't in the theatrical edition, which makes me think they did, they had made their choices on what scenes were going to be, and then did full post production on those. Hmm. Like that more post production was put into the scenes they definitely were going to put in. Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean that that makes sense though. It's like why are you going to spend a whole lot more money on scenes that are just going to be released on a DVD? Yeah, rather than the so, theatrical cut. I was wondering about that because I only watched the extended cut. Like to me, right. that is the only cut of these movies. Is the extended agreed? Cuts. Yeah. As I said, I haven't seen the theatrical edition in forever. It's the first time I saw it, and watching the theatrical edition. I did not see a moment where I was like, oh, that looks dated. But watching the extended edition, there were a couple times with the ints where it was like, oh, uh, I think this particularly, they, you know, just didn't have as much post-production time on. And maybe if they, you know, put a little more, like if there were a remastered edition where they put a little effort into post-production on that, it could still look just as good as everything else does. That's something I was going to ask you about is like, would you ever be open to a you know a, a 
an update, a redux of some of these scenes and stuff like if, that where they it do would have to update be a little like, bit. Yeah, it would have to be just so like they'd have to be very judicious about where they applied it. Not, not a Star Wars type of thing. That's what I was like going to say. A total like, overhaul. Whenever I say like, oh, there needs to be a special effects update, my mind immediately goes to those fucking god-awful Star Wars yeah. updates where it was just it's all terrible. this unnecessary yeah. fucking bullshit. Yeah, why? We, yeah, we like the puppets. Keep them. Yeah, exactly. But like in this movie, I know that there are scenes and stuff that would look better with... Yeah. A little bit of time with today's technology. A bit, like, yeah, a little bit of brushing up. Sure. Yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff in this flick that I still think looks great. I think a lot of the Gollum yeah. stuff still looks fantastic. Yes, um, yeah. There's parts in here where, you know, Kate and I were watching, she's like, don't you think this is starting to look a little bit video gamey? I don't even think that that's a knock against no. the way this movie is aging. I think that's a compliment of how much video games are progressing. Yes, video <laughs> games have become so much better now that... It does look a little dated. Yeah. And that's amazing to say 18 years later, it's starting to look a little dated. There's parts like, in here. I think there's less like questionable parts in this one than there were in the first one. Like in the yeah. first one, a lot of the stuff where they are, um, you know, underground in the catacombs and stuff like that, like a lot of that looks pretty fucking video gamey in like a bad way. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie, I think, because a lot more of it deals with, yeah, you know, the the writers of Rohan and Gondor and stuff like that. It's a lot more humanistic landscapes and characters. Like they're not fighting cave trolls and Balrogs yeah. and shit like that. Um, although there are, of course, you know, some fantastic creatures. Yeah, in those this things movie are as well. in there. Mm -hmm. I think that it makes it a little bit easier to watch and a little bit less dated as far as some of the the special effects go. I'll say some of the parts in here that stood out to me as like looking kind of rough. Um, and this is always an issue with me and, and CGI characters. Um, okay. Anytime like feet, especially are contacting a physical surface, like any, uh, yeah. any of the times that they have Gollum, like scattering about on the ground and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe not disturbing leaves or dirt or portraying any, I think the best way to describe it is not portraying any weight being displaced across right. the surface. Yeah, the physics are a little off. That's yeah. when it starts to look like a video game, where you're like, these are rendered yeah. sprites on a background. They're not actually touching anything. Yeah. Like, there's times where it almost feels like Gollum is hovering a few, you know, millimeters above the surface rather than touching the dirt. And oh, I don't, it, I, I don't know how else to describe that. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And absolutely, if New Line Cinema announced, hey, we're gonna release remastered editions and just those things those like things, those yeah. small things were the things they improved fucking awesome yeah because you could and not hurt like because the movie was directed so well because the things that matter like eye lines and interactions work yeah you could do those small improvements and only help the movies I like not so. actually hurt the way that people see them. Oh, yeah. And you'd have to be very particular about where and what you did because, like, I wouldn't oh, want yeah. them to, I wouldn't want to see them replace, like, let's say the miniatures of the Black Gate or of Isengard. No. Holy fuck. No, the miniatures Those are amazing. So sick, Keep dude. Them. Yes. Especially Isengard, man. That thing looks like it's damn it carved great. out of fucking obsidian. The level of detail yeah. in that tower and shit is the fucking coolest. Like, I wouldn't want yeah. to see them touch any of that shit no yeah that that can't change and 
Yeah, like, uh, that would be exactly it. It's just, basically, if you were to try to update this just so that it can last another 20 years, it, you would just have to not fundamentally change anything. Yeah. Like, nothing needs to be tweaked. Like, you can fix the small things that would improve it, but n don't go in and be like, well... Maybe if we switch this scene and that scene. Like, no, just leave it no. as is. We like it as is. Exactly. It's cool. Just give the yeah. CGI characters and stuff a little bit more weight. And, yeah. and also completely eliminate that scene of Legolas mounting that horse in that undescribable, <laughs> unnatural... What the fuck? Like, when yeah. you see that shot, you're like, this is definitely the guy that made The Hobbit, for sure. Like, yeah. it's like, what the fuck? Who... Who decided this was okay? It looks He doesn't make ridiculous. any sense, too, because, like, he grabs with his left hand and somehow shoots up. It makes no like, sense. Yeah, like up and what? over. Like, like, I get how? it. If you want to show that he's a fucking badass by having him jump and mount a moving horse, I get it. But the, like, inverted half somersault 180 thing yeah. he does to get on... Come on, dude. You don't it really need to so fuck bad. with that, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is something that could be fixed. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that the parts in this where the CG is, is very noticeable, especially like with Gollum and stuff like that, is especially when the camera is in movement, like in motion. Like let's uh -huh. say it's like yeah. uh, kind of like scaling down the side of a mountain or something like that, right. and Gollum is either standing still or moving. It's hard to keep up with that shifting perspective of a rocky terrain a character yeah. that's full CG on it and the camera is moving around that terrain. That's where stuff starts yeah. to look like a little squirrely and video gamey to me. And there's definitely the tech now to smooth that out For and sure. just make it look right. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Because, yeah, that, that problem has been fixed long ago. So, yeah, I could I could see uh, a remastered edition or something like that. Just I'd be open to it. Really be, being a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I all I can think of though is the thing they would do that would piss everybody off. Hmm. Like there'd be something. There'd yeah. be one thing they would do that just everybody would be on the same side, just like, why? Mm -hmm. Why do that? There'd yeah. be that part where they go into the uh the prancing pony in there and there's a huge uh -huh. musical number for no fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> by full CG characters. I think that's what would happen. Yeah, that would probably happen. Yeah. What other differences did you notice in the theatrical cut? Because like I said, like I remember okay, watching yeah. it obviously in theaters and then yeah. maybe at somebody's house on like DVD, but right. I'm, I'm going to say like nine out of 10 times that I watched this, it's been the extended edition. There's... um. There's a significant lack of connective tissue in the theatrical edition. Yeah. Knowing it, like knowing that how much I loved it, seeing it back in the day, it's not, it's not important until you have seen it. Basically, the moment you've seen the extended edition, the theatrical edition is a no-go. Really? <laughs> because the stuff it reveals and the way it like connects everything together. Suddenly the theatrical edition is like, wait, why are we here now? Hmm. Like, yeah. Just like time before, jumps and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas before I watched it and it was just like, yeah, this is the movie. It's that's how it plays out. But knowing that there's like, say the bits where Gandalf is explaining why they're going to Rohan. Like there is a brief explanation 
where it just shows them running through the forest in the theatrical edition. But in the extended edition, they're running through the forest, then they stop. Then Gandalf further explains everything that's going on, which hmm. gives you the context so that when they show up at Rohan, everything makes more sense. Um, it also gives you the Denethor scene where we find out that Boromir is trying to please his father and Faramir is trying to please his father and that those are the driving forces behind what they're doing. But yeah. they are, in fact, good people that wouldn't do these sort of things. Boromir would not have tried to get the ring had not his father told him it was the most important thing that he could do. Hmm. Like, he's trying to please his father. Faramir is bringing um, uh, Frodo and Sam and, and uh, Smeagol to his father to try to please his father, but he knows better. He knows this isn't the right thing to do. It makes Boromir and Faramir make more sense. Hmm. So that wasn't so in the theatrical. And it's not in the theatrical edition at all. Like, Huh. So th there's So you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, exactly. There's 40-something minutes cut out. And the only bits I would say that were cut out that just don't matter fully are the is the scene where uh, Pip and Mary drink the, the water and, like, grow and speak in you know, intish and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's the only thing where it's like, oh, this is just indulgent. Like, yeah, it this doesn't is just, do much for the story. I, I like the book, but it doesn't really do anything for the story, right? Okay. Well, that makes sense, man. Yeah, like, that's, but that's every, one of those cuts that you're just like, eh, that didn't have to be. It's fun. Yeah. It, it just explains why the ints exist. Basically, there's this magic water. And it's like, well, okay. So, <laughs> like, we don't need that. But everything else is so, like, important like there's so much about the story that you don't get if you don't see the extended edition but again if you've only ever seen the theatrical edition it still works it's still very solid and works and you don't ever question these jumps you're always just like yeah okay obviously this would happen next yeah hmm but with the further explanation you're like right I didn't think about why they would do that, but it does make sense why they did it now. Wow, man. You know, on the subject of those ints, let's talk about our homie Treebeard. <laughs> Motherfucking Treebeard. I want to hang out with this guy. Yeah, he he seems um he seems to be chill as fuck. He'd be he'd be hard to hang out with uh for somebody with an anxiety disorder. Like, the, it seems like if you have an anxiety disorder, somebody who's, like, super chill is the best person to hang out with. But it's actually, like, the worst because Just you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, my God, all my anxieties. And they're like, no reason to worry. Come on, and man, what are you trying to fucking say? <laughs> yeah, you're worried halfway through the sentence. You're like, well, how is the sentence going to end? Like, <laughs> it would be the worst. But. Uh, the character is uh, genuinely just like super f like funny in in his like ridiculousness, like how silly he is in his seriousness about everything. But then like how uh, sincere he is as well. Like he he talks to the hobbits. He takes everything like sincerely and literally. Mm hmm. 
and the way that like he interacts with Pip and Mary is just like it's so perfect because they are goofy silly but Mary's got this like absolute like he gets it he gets what's going on and realizes why it's bad Mm -hmm. Pip's still not on board he's still not figuring it out and it's basically Mary trying to convince Pip and then Pip being convinced and his like simple mind being so perfect to convince the Ents and the thing is none of that's in the book Hmm. Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, Mary is definitely the one that you want on your group project, and Pip is the one you want to fucking party with for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Mary. Mary's the one who like gets it, but he, he's also. I mean, he's still a hobbit. He's not like he's not as serious as everybody else in the fellowship, but he's still like super serious for a hobbit. That's true. Yeah, for a hobbit yeah. for sure, man. Yeah, dude. Treebeard and the Ents and all that shit are the fucking best and they are his fucking tree poetry his mourning <laughs> of the fucking ent wives dude did you know that like even tolkien said that he doesn't know what happened to the ent wives see i imagine they got bored and I think just so. were like hey we can not be here you know <laughs> let's, let's just go somewhere else because <laughs> the thing is is i bet when it came time for that for that ent tree love making stuff <laughs> i bet that Treebeard and all those other goons are just trying Some to fucking, fucking yeah they're trying to tantric that shit all day and sometimes yeah. them tree ladies are just like can we just get on with it here come on i got yeah, all, like, i got a lifetime look, to do this <laughs> all right it, it's about there's a goal yeah and we are not reaching it so <laughs> i'm gonna I have figured out how to do it myself, and I'm going over here. I think that all them tree wives are just off somewhere just scissoring and having a fucking great time. <laughs> they probably catch enough fucking pollen on the winds and stuff like that to keep their society going. Because we all know that pollen is just tree skeet. Oh, skeet, 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 skeet. skeet, skeet. <laughs> Whenever your allergies are going crazy every spring... That is all the fucking trees. This is tree skeet. Just skeeting yeah. all over. The- oh, skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> That's what Treebeard is saying. And then you fucking sneeze because you got tree jizz up your nose. Wait, is that what barum means? <laughs> yeah, barum means tree skeet. I'm pretty fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. When you look at it that way, it really, really does, man. It really does. You know, yeah. on the subject we were talking earlier about, like, uh, like fake news and stuff like that, how there's elements of this movie that are strangely relevant. I think that some of the stuff that old Sour Man up there in the, the Tower of Sour is up to, uh-huh. I think some of the stuff that he's putting out there is also kind of relevant. Because if you think about it, whenever he's out there convincing all those, you know, really, really nasty looking hill folk to take up arms yeah. against mm-hmm. Gondor. He basically just gives them a, they took your germs. Speech. He does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that he does. That is very much it. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, the, the truths of politics is politics have not changed in a long, long time. They have long been just, uh, convinced dumb people that, this other guy's your problem. Yeah, so and so is your problem, not me, even though obviously I'm the problem. Yeah. I'm right? rich as fuck and I can fix all your problems, but that other I live poor in a person gigantic that's your tower. Problem. You're 
fucking living off rocks in the in the mountains. Those yeah, fellas with they, the horses and the thatchery of cottages, they're the ones that are fucking your life they're up. They're the real problem. Come yeah. the fuck on. Meanwhile, fucking yeah. Sour Man is up there with his damn uh, his damn seeing stone putting on webcam shows and stuff, I guess. Yeah, he's got his palantir <laughs> to the moon. Do you think he's got like a like a OnlyFans site where he's putting up fucking some sexy dance videos and stuff like that using his palantir? I think he does. I made an OnlyFans joke at my doctor's appointment yesterday and it <laughs> fell flat. My oh, doctor no. did not know what OnlyFans was, <laughs> I don't think. That made little to no sense to your doctor. Yeah. Oh my unfortunately. god. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think his OnlyFans would probably pulling in some money. I mean, you know what though? It's like that's a lot of work. He's probably on that Palantir all the time just like Hey, what's up, guys? Would you fuck me or whatever, you know? You know he's doing weird stuff with that staff. Things got that big old knob at the end of it. You know he uses that for something. <laughs> he's got to. He's got to be employing that. You know? Like, all of his fans are like, use staff. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> Again with this. All right. Can't we just lead up to it at least? <laughs> Come on. We, uh, talking about this makes me want to do cam. Because Cam was a really good horror Cam's movie. An awesome people movie, didn't talk man. about it enough. I, I really don't think so either. That's a really cool movie, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his uh, his role in this is cool because now you see him getting like really militarized and really, you know, getting the troops in order and stuff like that in honor of Sour Ron over there in Mordor. <laughs> but we also see him getting his gerb replaced whenever Gandalf turns into Gandalf the White. And I love right, and that's exactly the explanation. Basically, yeah. is I took his gerb. I took his gerb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right, man. <laughs> that would have been amazing if whenever he he comes out of that like blinded by the light, gleaming white yeah. light and shit, he's just like I took his gerb. <laughs> I took his gerb. I love though whenever he comes out there like. Initially, whenever you see him in the glowing light, they I didn't even notice this until I read it in the trivia and stuff like that. But when you go back, you can watch it and see it. They actually superimposed uh, yeah. Christopher Lee's Christopher eyes Lee. yeah. onto his body. Yeah. But it's like while mm-hmm. he's being you know enveloped in that white light and stuff, it's very subtle. But then also and they modulated the modulated his voice a little, yeah. Yeah, like I don't really know how they did it because you can hear elements of both of their voices in that part. Yeah, it's really really cool how they did that because. It is. Um, I don't know, it just shows that there is this kind of like elemental binding of all those wizards and their their role in this world. Because they're almost, in Tolkien lore, they're almost like angelic beings of some sort. They're not humans, they're not elves. They are yeah. some sort of celestial being, much like much like yeah. uh, uh, old Sauron is too. Sauron is essentially a, a fallen yeah, angel. Galadriel and... Yeah, it's there. There's a, a deep, deep lore going on Streamer. here that just doesn't get explored because it's just too much for the movies, obviously. But it, it's, it's hinted at a lot of times for sure. But like, uh, that that moment though, where the the basically he he has fought this demon. He has fought through the entirety of Middle Earth fought this demon come out the other side and changed uh this is obviously like a, a an analogy of of uh you know rebirth it's a sort of you know obviously a, a baptismal recognition there where he goes through fire and water mm-hmm. uh and becomes comes out the other side clean and white um it, it's 
he he's he's basically shed his uh silliness like there's a yeah. silliness to gandalf before that kind of gets lost but it's still a little bit there like in the extended edition not long after that moment he's making jokes with aragorn like yeah aragorn's like you, you fucking edition. speak in riddles still to this day and he's right, like yeah, yeah. kind of yeah i do <laughs> yeah yeah, I know what you yeah mean. That, that's something i really tried to observe this time too is like the character change in him because in the first movie He's all like, yeah, he's fucking in his gray tattered robe and stuff. He's like, man, let's fucking smoke some pipe weed and blow some smoke yeah. rings. Fucking party. Coming to your birthday, bro. You heard this new <laughs> Sublime song? I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever he comes back, he is much more, I mean, he's stoic and wise, but he still has elements of himself in there. Like, yeah, that's something that I it's like. Still is there. It, it's not like he's playing two different characters, really. No. Um, no, it blends. There's it's, elements, it's like, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it. I don't think again without watching the extended edition and seeing like how serious he can get in these moments and how unserious he kind of was before. Uh, th- though it's something that's not in the movies, but that period after the birthday party until he comes back to the Shire is 17 years. Yeah, that's a real like long he's, time. He's off, like, researching this ring for a long time. Like, a whole lot happens yeah. in between that opening They kind of show us, like, bit. a little bit of that in the first movie, where, like, he's off in that yeah. fucking library opening up those tomes and shit. But, yeah, you're right. right. That's almost fucking two decades worth of work. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, this was something that actually came up when Emily and I were watching, because I was talking about how how uh Faramir quickly deduces that um that Frodo has the ring of power and that that kind of gets undercut by the fact that they didn't point out that it took 17 years for Gandalf to figure it out hmm and in fact took him longer because he was there when uh, Bilbo found the ring like, and he still didn't realize that was the one figure ring. it out and Faramir puts together these points of, like, his father kind of knew that maybe the thing that they were going to talk about was the One Ring, and, like, this hobbit is somewhere he shouldn't be, and he's with this person who's a little strange. Like, he, hmm. Faramir is this, like, much deeper character than you get in the theatrical edition. Like, the, the extended edition kind of expands on how how smart he is, how much better he actually is at ruling than Boromir would have ever been. Yeah. There's just so much going on there with him. Huh, yeah, because at first glance, he's just kind of, especially in Return of the King, he's just like kind of the fucking, you know, sad younger child trying to impress his dad. Yes. Is the main thing about his character. But you're right, he does. Burnt to death by his father who doesn't care about him. But he does have like amazing deductive powers. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, he's real quick about it. Like he's really like, and, and like that's a thing that you see with him too is like he I, I I need to read the books again but even if it says it in the books even whatever it may say when he says that that's the forbidden pool and whoever goes in it it will you know the get the pains of death or whatever it seems like he's playing Frodo like he's trying to understand Frodo's relationship with this creature yeah and he like he has no there's no point in him like he's never going to actually kill the creature he he's doing this to push frodo to the point that he gets the information that he gets like the faramir character 
get short shrift in the the theatrical editions whereas in the extended editions you kind of you can see how he's basically aragorn but younger like Hmm. he's just this like oh like very wise very good at like deducing and very very capable in doing what he's you know meant to do yeah huh i hadn't thought about it that way before actually but now that you pointed out he is uh i think a lot sharper than i gave his character uh credit for yeah yeah he's he's a good character hmm now one of the huge highlights of this movie is the completely incredible battle that happens towards the end of this Ugh. movie uh the battle yeah. for old old helms deep there right it's so great and, it's like 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. A battle, like just a battle scene that is just. And dude, the lead up to it is amazing. Like seeing all the prep and like the scared people and people putting on armor and like, God damn, it's insane. And apparently it took four months yeah. to film that scene. Like, dude, most yeah. movies are done in four months. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Like, Taming the T-Rex, two weeks, 28 yeah. days to shoot Saw. Like, most Fucking of Lost the, Boys the mo- is like three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. Most of the movies we cover on this are uh, within a month to two months. Oh, especially three, horror movies, yeah. Three months of night shoots and yeah. one month of day shoots to get this scene. Most of which was night shoots in the fucking rain. In the rain. Well, it was a rain what? machine, but it's like, you're talking yeah. about, imagine. You're wet. Dude, yeah. yeah, right? It's like, you know, we all have bad days at our jobs and shit like this, but like, imagine your job. Is to be wet for three months? Yeah, to show up <laughs> in the middle of the fucking night or really early morning or whenever they were filming this shit, put on 40 pounds of armor, which was then like fucking 50 pounds when it was wet. Yeah. Yeah. Stand in the rain in the background swinging a spear or a shield or whatever where you're not even getting recognized or a close-up shot in the movie. But dude, like that in itself is a symbol of how much dedication they took to this fucking shit. And can you imagine doing that before the first movie even came out? Yeah, like is like this going to be all worth these, it? Are you sure? Yeah, they sh- they shot all three of these movies before the first one even came out. Like you're doing this hoping the first one hits dude yeah because you may have done it for no fucking reason it may never even come out well because at that point dude you're going there again at whatever hour of nighttime and putting on this armor and getting soaked and being in the background for the guy that directed the frighteners yeah exactly you're you're this is uh, this is brain dead this is uh fucking uh what else did he do meet the feebles like yeah. <laughs> like he did heavenly creatures Bad and other taste. things like that like he did stuff that showed he was capable as a director but it wasn't like on this scale no Mm-mm. so it's it's a, it is a risk high risk maneuver and, <laughs> and they're changing the script as they go like when i read about how this like the script was kind of nebulous at certain points oh yeah didn't know like they were figuring things out as they went i read that and then see the movie and go how do you get this movie figuring it out like you have some geniuses on your side and they did as i said fran walsh philippa boyens and and steven sinclair who have all worked with peter jackson a lot you have four people working their asses off to make everything work together and make sense dude it, it, it 
but that happens a lot of times in other movies and fails terribly. Fails what you have horrifically, here, yeah. Yeah, you have four people who know how to make this work. Dude, and that's and the thing do. about this that, that really does blow my mind um, that I appreciate more deeplier now um, you know, several years into editing all my own videos and, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've edited the podcast and you've edited the podcast, yeah. you know, the editing process of this is something it's that so much. it astounds yeah. me it, and, and it's yeah. an absolute make or break scenario because I yes. know that I, I've had videos that I filmed that are guitar lesson videos where I just put up the camera and fucking ramble and talk about scales and modes and shit like that. Then I sit back here and edit it in the editing bay and I'm like, well, this makes no sense unless I move this to here and then I cut this out and then I move right. this thing that was at the end to the beginning and okay, now it makes sense, even though it's completely out of order from how it was before. And I'm just talking about a matter of 30 minutes worth of one camera footage. <laughs> right. Imagine you're case, shooting we're talking shit, three yeah, units. 11 hours of a movie. Dude, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, I... There, there, there's times that I edit projects and I am intimidated by the amount of footage that I have to to tunnel through, and it's dude, I'm watching the not the, a drop in the, the bucket number go up on this and just being like, this is gonna take forever to edit for like, real, and it's nothing yeah. compared to what these people did nothing. with this. Like, dude, I want to know how much actual footage from that battle scene they had. Yeah. I bet you know they had enough to make it's it a fucking two-hour, three-hour yeah. battle. You know they did. Yeah. And, dude, not only For is sure. it a battle, it's a fucking ladder match. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it that shit. Absolutely it's absolutely It's the best fucking ladder match of all time. Dude, can you imagine if when that huge ladder fell... It crashed through a gigantic table. A huge table. And, and That's then all JR I want. JR was like, oh my God. Oh, he is broken. <laughs> he had a family. That orc had kids. Oh <laughs> my God. Barbecue sauce. I want that cut of the movie for sure. Yeah, man. me too. I just yeah. want JR commentary on that battle. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's unbelievable. And like, even though it is this grand epic scale and. I know there's a lot of CG shots and stuff like that. Man, yeah. it, it never pulls you out. It never feels no. like this is fucking fake. I'm watching a video game. Like the same Dude. way that we all really loved that. Um, what was that last like mega battle in Game of Thrones? Oh, right, right, right. The 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 long night. The long the, night. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like, that one was great. We were all yeah. nuts about that. And then it's like you look at this and you're like, yeah, but you know, like. 16, 15 years earlier with way inferior yeah. technology, there's yeah. this. There's this. Holy it's, shit. It is amazing. Yeah. Uh, ben, I've compared it before, and I'm going to do it again. Uh-oh. Army of Darkness. Okay. Yes. I'm telling you, I did it. I watched it side by side. There is so much similarity really? in the shot composition, in the way the shots occur, in just so much connection back to Army of Darkness, which I assume was connecting back to the Two Towers in some ways, but specifically, this is Peter Jackson visually referencing Army of Darkness. It's like, gotta be. He... And, the, and this is like, that's the thing is this is his epic moment. Like this is, he just, hopefully you're making this movie. You're hoping the first movie hits, which it did. 
the second movie, you're going to now present how good you are at making this huge battle work. And you decide to reference visually Sam Raimi. Like, that's ballsy as shit. Oh, yeah. Because Sam Raimi was doing it for comical effect. Now you're doing it to be serious. And it works. Yeah. Dude, it's I, I don't crazy. think that it's I don't think it's a stretch at all. Because if you compare Dead Alive or Brain Dead, depending on which you know yeah, region you're watching. Of it, yeah. You compare that to Evil Dead too, and it's like these feel like they could have been made by the same person. Yeah. I don't think it's a stretch yeah. at all to say that no. Army of Darkness influenced this. I don't think so. Yeah, I've I've got some screenshots I'll post nice. to try to prove my point but like i i think if you just watch the two just watch the battle scenes like this one's 30 minutes long and the other one is uh in the director's cut i think about 10 to 12 but this one definitely visually references a, a, a number of times and it's like just to me that is like that's like the 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 punk rock element of of peter jackson like he's making this gigantic big old bunch of a movie in a way that it just really hasn't been done like you know we've had these trilogies before but they weren't fully planned other than star wars really and we've had these epics before but they weren't trilogies like you're coming into this just filming an entire trilogy before you ever know if people like it and you're filming your like real big like deciding moment and you decide to go back to your roots and visually reference sam raimi like that's just fucking badass that's badass that's punk rock that's really cool and the fact that it it just nails it like it's still just perfect you like I, I, I'm probably not the only person talking about the connection between Two Towers and, and Army of Darkness, but I don't see it made connected a lot. And I think that's because of the context. Yeah. Like, Army of Darkness is silly. This is serious. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of devalued because it's cheap horror. Right. So, uh, eh, eh, this this battle is amazing. I mean, like, what, like, throughout, you just keep, like... Emily and I were talking about it as we were watching, and it's like, when the elves show up, like, I, that's not in the book. Arwen talks about maybe taking some elves or whatever, but, like, when the elves show up, it's like this real deep moment when you understand, like, they're risking their lives. Yeah. Yeah, they their have no investment. They don't lives. have to be there. Yeah. It, that It's just like, you get so engrossed in it that... It is a very good representation of a like a pure evil versus a, not a pure good. They don't show the humans as purely good. Like Theoden, especially in Return of the King, is shown as like not as interested in other people, other cities' problems as his own. Like there's no like full humanity as as a as a unit idea until a little bit later, but. Like, you've got a pure evil versus a uh, we're on their side relative good. So, like, the way the battle plays out is, like, this wave of, like, back and forth and then fully, like, oh, no, the humans are fucked. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, 
uh, I don't know. It, it's it's hard not to be fully invested in it. I would think you would have to be going out of your way to not care watching yeah, it. I think so, man. Because like in the third movie, you know, we have the 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 huge mega battle at the end of that uh, in Gondor, which is, I mean, of course, fucking incredible. It is yeah. visually stunning. You really feel like Just you're amazing. there. But it's it's almost to the point where like the scale of the battle in this one is small enough that you can really keep up with what's going on and feel like you're right. there. The Gondor yeah. battle is so gigantic. It's huge, and it's in an open field. Yeah. And open, yeah, and this is so closed off. It is. Like, it's not tiny. So it's tight. not fucking 10 people against 10 people. No. It's not, like, super, super small, but it's, like, it's big enough to where it feels epic. It's small enough to where you feel like you're there. And yeah. it is... It is incredibly effective. Like it's one of those deals where you know, kind of like kind of like the experiences that we went through whenever we watched those first couple of seasons of of Game of Thrones, where you watch it and you go, "Man, times would have been tough back then." And you're like, "Oh wait, wait, there was no back then. This is fucking fake." Yeah, exactly. That's actually a a, a trap I fell into because I was like talking with Emily about how like you know the way a siege would work and stuff, and it, it was just like. What is this? Isn't real though. This never happened. Yeah, like this siege would work however you want it to because it's fantasy. Because it's fucking fake, obviously. Yeah, but Duh. like I'm, you're just so invested that you're like, right? That like thinking of the realistic nature of it. So cool, man! It's so cool. And like you said, it's like you know, the elves showing up to fight for these people, even though they really have no stake in it. I mean, the way that the whole uh, Arwen storyline plays out in here too, where she is choosing mortal life to be with with strider and stuff throughout the movie man um, that dick must be great you know it is it's gotta be you yeah. know it is man it's <laughs> worth it it's worth it uh it's just it's just beautiful and fucking amazing man it really really yeah, is. it is yeah yeah this movie's full of like super beautiful moments like just uh uh, Eowyn explaining why she wants to fight uh, 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 Sam with his like summation of uh, why you have to continue to fight evil yeah. even when it seems like there's no hope. Uh, it's I mean they, those moments are all like super they're super effective but they they also like ground the movie because the movie could just be war with fantastical creatures yeah sure but it's like this constant reminder like no 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 this this applies back to all of humanity this applies back to the way the world we currently live in and the future world we'll live in that's why i think you know these these movies have maintained their uh fanship and and effectiveness because they they're talking about a world in the past that still exists and will still exist and that we always have to fight against. Oh yeah. And it, you know, I think that's partially because they were being written by a guy who fought in World War 1 and saw right and the saw worst parts, the yeah. worst parts of fucking humanity and he saw people that were from drastically different backgrounds and stuff fighting together for a common cause. Uh, even though, you know, probably some people weren't as invested in it as others, they were fighting against evil. They were fighting for the greater good and stuff. I think that that's one of those things that fighting in the great war, uh, gave him perspective to write these stories. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah, and it, it, it made... I think it's what makes maybe the the male relationship shine more is that in in particular times in human history the only way men were ever able to like develop these full friendships in the trenches was during man. war yeah 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 because now they could drop the the pretenses now they could drop the homophobia now they could drop all this other shit yeah that's all you just have like, man yeah so he, he that's why he was able to do like able to explore this in a way that just doesn't happen as often as it should mm-hmm. like you know we get we get our Thelma and Louise movies we get like our girl power movies and and, and then every man power movie is exactly what that phrase sounds like yeah man power sounds gross and bad and so then that's what it is. It's just a movie full of dudes like, oh, we accidentally killed a prostitute. How do we get rid of the body? Like, uh, it's just like you, you can't have these sweeter, more developed movies for some reason. But th- this goes into it. And, and it's because of that, like, yeah, the trench friendships and relationships you, you, he was able to develop, unfortunately, because he had to fight in World War One, But, you know, that also goes back to the stuff we were talking about earlier, about there being no damsels in towers and stuff like that, is because right. having fought that's not in a, a war... war. Exactly, yeah. like, having fought <laughs> in a war, like, that motherfucker being in the trenches knew that there was no damsel in a castle at the end of his fucking day. No. Like, when the war was no. over, he didn't rescue fucking Princess Peach from Bowser. Like... He put the reality into fantasy, I think, in that element. And also, too, you know, knowing that back then, World War One and World War Two, back in those days, you know, while the men were in the trenches fighting the war or whatever, the women weren't cowering and being useless. You know, we all we all know Rosie the Riveter. We all know that right. women were the um, the engineering backbone between the entire mechanism of, of, of war and being able to make these things possible. Uh, the women weren't just cowering at home. They were no. being useful and effective and powerful in their own way yeah, during these, these trying thing, times. It's a thing that's not explicitly said, but like intimated at that women feel the full effects of war. Yeah, they exactly. do not escape it just because you don't send them to fight. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you're not saving them from anything. Mm-mm. You're you're just excluding them from fighting for the things they believe in. Right. So that that is an interesting way. Like, and I wonder if Tolkien was going for that. I I assume he probably was in some ways, but obviously I, I'm not going to say Tolkien was any sort of feminist icon, but uh. He, he def, there's definitely in the movies for sure this sense that like w- women are not immune to anything that's going on and by excluding them all you're doing is placing them in an instance where they're more likely to be tortured and, and like treated worse mm. than the soldiers fighting in the front lines because the soldiers fighting the front lines get to die fighting for what they believe in. Right. Yeah. Rather than be the victims of the loss. Now, Steve, I know a lot of people's complaints about these movies are the pacing. A lot of people find them boring where they're just like, right. oh, it's just a lot of people walking around and talking and breathing and shit. Like, I think yeah. that this movie kind of has 
the least amount of just walking. Like, there's a few shots in there where we get, you know, the epic foot chase between Gimli and Strider and Legolas. They're chasing after the orcs and stuff. But, like, I feel like there's very little walking around in this one. Um, I feel like, I'll, I'll put it this way, there is a little bit of a calm before the storm of the epic battle at Helm's Deep. There, there's a little period of about 20, 20, 25 minutes of the movie where it, it's really like all these people being like, oh shit, this is it, right? Like there is a long buildup there, but I feel like it makes sense. I feel like if that wasn't there, yes. it would just be relentless and exhausting. Absolutely. You need those moments. I think that's why my wife has seen The Two Towers more than any of the other movies, because specifically, uh, it, it's not a whole bunch of going to a place. It is, we are at these places, now what? Yeah, like, the first one is very much like, let's walk here, let's walk here. The yeah. last one is, I mean, just fucking non-stop, grim yeah. battle. <laughs> yeah. This one is this kind one of a is- nice balance. Yeah, it does end on a high note, you know, in a way like that Return of the King ends so many times yeah. that it can't end on a high note. Like, <laughs> like if it ended with um, them bowing to the hobbits, that'd be the end, right? Like, I think it yeah. should have ended with everybody jumping and doing a high five. Oh, absolutely. That would have been the best. Yeah. Teamwork. High five. Just, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, it, this movie has the clearest, uh, the clearest stakes, the clearest good bad, the clearest like everything is simpler and easier to take than everything else. Especially again with the theatrical edition, the stuff they did cut is a lot of exposition that explains stuff that you don't have to know to enjoy the movie. There is some very so, handy exposition here, though, like with some of the map scenes and stuff. Like, oh, dude, that's, that's one of those things, like, man. Like, whenever you're reading the books, you've got the maps at the front. So, yeah, if so you, you can reference to, them. Yeah, like you need yeah. to know where fucking Mordor is in relation to Gondor. Cool, go to the front of the fucking book. But when you're yeah. watching a movie and they're not showing you big you know, fucking flying helicopter overhead shots to show you where yeah, this is Yeah, we're not getting the Indiana Jones shots. Exactly, like, yeah. Yeah. This has, like, yeah, clever exposition, I think, to show you where things are happening. Yeah, it, Faramir is, like, it's, like, it's almost, like, going back to early days of film solutions to, like, how to establish people in space. Like, yeah. it's just show the map and point. Yeah, that's exactly what's what they happening. do. And I have never, I've seen this movie so many times, but until trying to talk about it, I have never noticed that scene. I've only just absorbed it. Yeah. Which is exactly what it's supposed to do, is you absorb, oh, that's where, that's where Helm's Deep is, and that's where, uh, like, Minas Tirith is, and that's where Mount Doom is. Like, it does that without like being, being lame lame yes it's not like just an suddenly it just you know expands out and now we see the map and this is where they are all right so the good guys are on the left yeah. and the bad guys yeah. are on the right and they're gonna meet yeah. here in the middle and fight like it'd be so easy for that to be <laughs> shit you know yeah emily also noticed that um 
Legolas is an exposition machine. Like, so much of what he says establishes what is happening. Yeah, because he can see for fucking miles and shit and track yeah. stuff that's untrackable. So, basically, yeah, exactly. Basically, he is there as the camera. He's there as, like, the he sees from above what's going on. Yeah. So he establishes what they're doing, and then they can do it. Exposition like and murder. Those are his strong points. Yes, exactly. Like, this is good at exposition and murder and being in a relationship with Katy Perry. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they've been together for a while. Oh, good on that. Pretty yeah. people. Pretty people. <laughs> yeah, make pretty kids or whatever. Why not? Or just don't. Or don't. Please don't. Just slam we into each other for kids. fun. That's fine. We got too many pretty kids, in fact. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Ben... We've talked about it for almost uh, forever now. <laughs> almost as long as the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think about it? Ten. Uh, ten. It's a ten. Duh. It's it's a ten. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. What do we, do? we spent all this time explaining it. It's a fucking ten. Obviously. Like, we don't need to reference why it's a ten. Yeah. It fucking is. For everything we just said... It's a 10, yeah. It's a, have you been the, listening? 10. 10! Is this your favorite of the trilogy? Yeah, it's my favorite. Without a doubt. Because all the things we've said is that it's the most contained story. Every The stakes are all clear. Everything ends exactly as you would expect it to. Like, It's a 10. I feel like um, it's the most humanistic, too, where it's like... Yes. You know, even though there's obviously a lot of fantastical creatures and stuff in here, we get introduced to the Nazgul and the Wargs and all kinds of other shit in here. Like, it's mainly dealing with Rohan and some elements of Gondor and stuff like that. Just fucking humans. Whereas, you know, in the first one, there's a lot more fantasy creatures. In the third one, there's tons. Not to say there's not, you know, there's not plenty of orcs and shit in this one, too, but... I feel like this one's kind of the most relatable on a human level. Yeah. But, you know, it's the total package of those easy-to-relate-to elements, the the soundtrack, the introduction of Rohan, all these new characters that just make sense and blend seamlessly with the characters that we were introduced to in the first movie that I think make this such a, such a joy. And it's just visually yeah. fucking incredible. Like... Return of the King is the one that I usually think about when I'm thinking about, like, my favorite scenes and my favorite set pieces. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Dude. For Frodo, man. There's, fucking Dude, whatever. there's so much fucking cool shit yeah. in the third one. But the third one is also, I mean, it's exhausting to watch. Like, whenever you're watching it's so much. Frodo it's and Sam. It's five hours. Oh, dude. If you watch the extended edition. It's so yeah. long. And you're watching Frodo and Sam just climb up that fucking mount doom just damn dying slowly like it's rough it's an exhausting watch yeah and the first one is kind of like okay let's get the wheels turning it's kind of like watching the train take off where you got to build up some momentum and stuff and then it gets moving this movie is already moving whenever it starts yeah and then at the end you have conclusion and also there's still forward momentum where you're like Okay, that's done, but there's still more jobs to be dealt with here. So it still yeah, keeps you excited the, to watch the next one. It is one of the most successful part twos ever, yeah. ever, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah there, there are so many lessons to be learned from um, from this and Empire Strikes Back. Just yep. 
if you're if you're going to be making a series of movies you need to understand these two movies because they they get what a sequel should be which is just both a, a singular solo piece and a transition piece it has to do both and that's a real hard thing to do yeah and it just nails it it really really does man yeah so fucking 10 for eternity Dude. i mean the entire trilogy is a 10 spoilers we're gonna give yeah, return of the king yeah, a fucking i mean 10. yeah return Duh. of the king's a 10 yeah but it's gonna be fun to talk about hell <laughs> yeah it is man i hope that you guys have enjoyed us diving real deep like on these hobbits like, and still missing so yeah, much i know like there's still so, so many scenes and stuff like that i'm like oh we didn't talk about this or that or this yeah, or that man same. but it's okay, man. I mean, you guys can yeah. watch the movie and make your own interpretations about it and then tell us about them on the Facebook and Discord groups. Yeah, yeah. Head on over there. Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. We post the Discord uh, every Friday. Uh, also, we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at dead lovely pod. Always on there. Uh, head on over. Yeah. Tell us you love the show or whatever. That's right. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can review a podcast. Helps us out a fucking ton. If you guys leave some fun, like really stupid reviews on there, I'm going to start reading them on the show. You can have your moment in the spotlight. Like I want to incentivize this shit. I want to read your dumb reviews about how much <laughs> you love our fucking dumb asses and the stupid stuff we say. Like that's one of my yeah. favorite things about like the Facebook group and stuff like that is hearing too, people yeah. like recount dumb shit that we said on like past episodes that were like you know absolutely 200 hours this... worth of podcast ago that i've more than forgotten about i love hearing yeah. people being like hey i listened to episode fucking eight and you guys said this dumbass thing and i'm like oh i forgot we said yeah. that i love that shit if you've made it this far just so you know uh at the end of every record i'm like oh fuck was that even funny and then yeah. i edit it and i'm like fuck is this even funny totally and so anytime you're like oh my god that thing you said yes that's the best <laughs> it's it's a reminder fuck i'm not just yelling into the void yeah totally yeah well especially too like you know since we're doing these remote and we're not like sitting across it's from each just, other. Yeah, it's just not even the same. It feels so weird. It's hard to tell because like we don't have a visual. We're not doing FaceTime or anything yeah. while we do this. It's just audio only. So, I mean, I think the fact that we've worked in person so long helps, but still it's it does, it's yeah. different. So it helps to have some outside affirmation sometimes, doesn't it? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So rate and review wherever you can means a lot to us. Uh, I hope that everybody out there is having... A wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful what? Christmas time, indeed. <laughs> Paul McCartney style. The moon style. is right. Time to <laughs> sacrifice this baby. Simply oh, what? having what? Hang on. What now? Christmas what was that last line? Time. What? I'm not sacrificing a baby. Okay. Okay. So you're not doing it. Got it. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, be sure to tune in next week to the show here. We're going to be talking about a fun one. This is a Patreon drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I, I, I drew Silent Hill. So, uh, it was as a Lori Del Nero. Yeah, Lori Del Nero submitted AKA F13 Fangirl for all the Discord homies. Nice. Yeah, Silent Hill. I haven't seen this in a long time. Haven't either. I'm excited. I'm going to try to play the game a little bit. Ooh, I haven't nice. played it in forever, so good that'll one, be man. fun. Yeah, I imagine mm -hmm. we'll be having ourselves a good old uh, 
a good old chin wag about video games and our favorite video games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We'll have a good time talking about that one. And I look forward to watching that again and seeing old pyramid head rip uh-huh. the skin off that person's rip torso. The skin. That was a great scene. I don't remember but, uh, a lot about the movie, but I remember that. That's all I remember. Because he twists yeah. it. He grabs and twists. He's just like, crack. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, man. So we'll talk about that one a bunch next time, so be sure to tune in for that. And I hope everybody is staying safe and having Please. themselves a good old Christmas time. Uh, the world is crazy right now, but we love you guys, and we're so stoked yeah, that you do. listen to this show and Thank enjoy you. it and stuff like that. So I hope that we have brought you guys a little moment of of joy and happiness. Happiness. <laughs> uh, I love happiness. Happiness to your holiday <laughs> season. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will catch you guys next time for a Patreon pick episode talking about old Silent Hill. Well, in the meantime, you guys have been fantastic as always. We have been dead and lovely and I have been... Uncle Ben, son of James. I have been Hollywood Steve, son of Rick. (laughs) And we have been dead and lovely. We'll catch you guys next time. So I just, um, just took my dog out for a walk. And you know when dogs, they, like, they have the, the poopy butt walk? like Oh, yeah, where it's like, oh, it's coming. Oh, Lord, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Just wait. Um, but then they, like, walk around like that for a while. I was just thinking, like, how do they do that? They don't have butt cheeks. Like, how are they holding this poop in hmm. that obviously is coming? Like... They've already lowered the butt. Like, it's, it's yeah. on the way. Like, what, how are they like, no, 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 I got to find the right spot. And also, what are they looking for? Yeah, that's something I'm very curious about, too, because it is a very choosy thing. I've heard that, like, they align to some magnetic pole or whatever. I heard that, too, yeah. I think as far as, like, the, the, the keeping the shit in scenario, I think what we don't know uh-huh. is that dogs are actually all blessed with telekinesis but that's all they use it for <laughs> just holding the poop in yeah it's like well what else would you do with it you know doggy I mean, can, yeah they just yeah because they they got sweet doggy brains they can't imagine anything you do with telekinesis like because the treats they can't have unless the human gives it to them can't use yeah, your telekinesis I mean, to take that. treats no that'd be wrong you can't but do to hold the poopy in yeah it's fine yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. <laughs>